cool. Okay, well, we have uh, another episode. And Nick, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Nick. Um, I use they, them pronouns. I'm an artist, organizer, propagandist, historian, and unsettler. Um, I, a lot of my work recently has taken the form of an Instagram page called Unsettling Mormonism, which has also turned into a website and a number of other projects and interviews like this. Um, yeah, and I'm excited. I've been following uh, Decolonizing Buffalo, Decolonized, for a while, and yeah, really enjoy your humor and the... Yeah, I learn a lot from your page and like, especially around issues of indigeneity and like pretendianism. Um, those are really helpful. In one of the subjects we'll be talking about later of like settler nativism, of seeing it in that more focused space um, helps to me to understand settler nativism more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is why we're talking about Mormonism because in a way, Mormonism shifts, tries to shift people into, oh, they try to, I don't know how you want to describe it. They try to shift like uh, their religion as like a native thing here on the continent, <laughs> right? As, it, yeah. as, you know, like, uh, you know, Jesus was here and he came to like the, the Americas or whatever, but we can talk about that. So, I mean, we can talk <laughs> about that now. The, the first question is, the second question is, what uh, should we do a quick history of Mormonism? You know? Yeah. Um, so the briefest history of Mormonism, there was a young settler boy whose dad was a con man and he ran cons digging for treasure in people's farms, settler colonial settler colonists' farms would pay him to dig up uh, buried treasure that was supposedly buried by ancient indigenous people or like Spanish colonists. Um, and he'd do it like magically, like spirits were hiding this gold because there were like magic spells put on the gold. And so every time he'd try to find it, the spirits would take it deeper. And so the person would have to pay him even though they got no gold. Eventually this young boy does find gold buried in the ground because an ancient indigenous angel who is white comes to visit him to tell him where this record of this continent is buried um and so that's where you get this mythology about uh christianity being indigenous to this land about um ancient israelis being the some of the original settlers of this land and that indigenous peoples are supposedly or descendants of these ancient Israelis who were once white and then got cursed with a skin of blackness for their apostasy. And so there are these layers of Mormonism that get built in this original treasure hunt for this supposed ancient record that through the fabrication of this record, um, these settler colonists reified this settler ideology that... Um, Christianity and the Bible narrative are global and also it does this thing where it makes Mormonism the indigenous religion of this continent and thus indigenous uh, and thus Mormons are re rhetorically 
more indigenous than indigenous peoples as the keepers of this indigenous religion that following that doctrine of discovery idea that um because mormons have the chosen religion they're also the chosen people of this so-called promised land um, and that person was correct me if i'm wrong joseph smith right yeah joseph yeah. smith i know there's several um uh, pages i think i sent you one video where they talk about like ex-mormons leaving the religion trying to expose it i think that's what your page is really about but i think your page is good because it also talks about the um, what's that the settler moves to innocence you know mm -hmm. the settler navitism there's something like uh, article decolonization it's not a metaphor but you know um do you, uh, you want to get into the mormons moving into to nevada yeah yeah yeah, yeah so this religion was founded in the U.S. Um, that buried golden plates scripture story happened in um, north, so-called north, would that be western New York, up around the Great Lakes. Um, and from there, everywhere these people tried to settle, they were kicked out because they are Zionists. They gather like they Mormons believe that they are literally fulfilling the gathering of Israel story from the Bible. Um, because not only do they see themselves as the divinely, the people who are divinely indigenous to this land, they also see themselves as supersessionists, that they are the new tribes of Israel. They are the like chosen people of Israel now. Um, after uh Jews rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah church fell into apostasy, blah, blah, blah. That's a common story more people know. Um, anyway, so everywhere they went, they gathered as this political and economic block because they also practiced a form of communalism where the church um, held a lot of people's land and wealth. And they're also a people who follow their prophet. Um, and so everywhere they went, they had a unified political and economic body, and so that disrupted the power dynamics that were in each settlement that they tried to settle in, and so they were forced out of one after the other. The way they tell this story, the way I grew up learning it, was that they were being persecuted for their religious differences. Um, as I start to do more of the research of this history on my own, what it looks much more like is that these people are running a criminal organization as well as... Um, practicing a kind of religious pedophilia and polygyny, pol pol marrying more than one woman. And so really people were upset, not only because of the politics and the economics that were screwing up the place that they settled and, you know, committed hard-fought genocide in order to steal. So they were upset that all of their hard work was going away, which is a story we're still dealing with today, that white people get pissed when whatever sort of oppressive system they've built gets disrupted. Um, and so they were kicked out of all these places and eventually they tried to get the U.S. to support them and give them a place where they could be safe. The U.S. refused to and refused to give them any money. Um, so they tried to flee the U.S. by moving to Mexico. Unfortunately for them, the U.S., um, the U.S.-Mexican war ended like a year after they fled. And so they were already back in the U.S. again. And from there... That was like 
so because that war had just ended, the U.S. annexed like another, I don't know, 40 percent of the continental U.S. And so Mormons were the predominant colonizers of that area, which includes Western Colorado, Southern Nevada or Southern Idaho, some of Wyoming, most of Nevada, all of Utah, the majority of Arizona. Um, hang on, let me get that. So as the primary settler colonists of this area, um, they committed mass genocides on multiple peoples and then told this story that, as most of us know Mormons as, is usually just like kind of weird or those really nice people in the white shirts. Um, they were able to perpetuate this narrative that they were actually better for indigenous peoples than anyone else. Um, and part of this narrative is built into their Book of Mormon because they have this um, abject space that indigenous people occupy because part of that Book of Mormon story is that indigenous peoples are ancestrally like the chosen people, like they were brought to this promised land to inherit all of its bounty and glory, but because um, the majority of them apostatized then now there are fallen people who need to be uplifted by Mormons. And so Mormons take this paternalist attitude. Can you say what that word means, apostatized? Oh, that they left Christianity. Oh, okay. That they decided Christianity was false and chose a fall, quote-unquote fallen path. Can I ask? Yeah, because I, don't, I know there's a video where, you know, it, it it's kind of like, um, you can talk about this video, how it talks about, how this different skin colors because the falling out. I think this black people mm -hmm. was like they said it was like the followers of Satan and I think <laughs> the natives were brown because they, you know, they left or whatever, they apostatized, mm -hmm. right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So in addition to Mormonism being foundationally settler colonial, in that the entire religion is based around the divine rights to this land, basically. Um they also are foundationally white supremacist because God's chosen people, the peoples who supposedly are, you know, divine heirs of this continent and the entire world, really, um, have always been white. The, we'll just say your, your supposed ancestors, according to Mormonism, your supposed ancestors were white. And then when they fell away from Christianity, they became these two warring groups. And one of the groups was cursed with a skin of blackness, which is the quote out of the scripture. And God gives them this curse to make them, quote, not enticing so that the people who are still white and Christian will segregate from them. And so divine segregation is built into the Book of Mormon because the not enticing was specifically to make them not have babies together because the book also specifically says if you mix seed with this people then your people then your children will carry that same curse um so a question yeah so in your time of in you know in your time during you know within the church when you when you heard this so my first question would, would be when you heard this what was your reaction i mean obviously you heard this as a, as a child right yeah. and at what point do you say hey this is like you know fucked up and two like what were other people's reactions to it did they blindly believe this or were they kind of like oh, i don't know this kind of weird 
I wasn't actually taught this. Um, okay. So one of the reasons I started this page, which I think is different than the reason most people start their pages, is what I see is most most ex-Mormons are upset about what Mormonism did to them and what it took from them. And so they start pages to help other people who are in a similar position. I started my page because I did this research as part of a thesis project, which was the only reason it was about Mormonism is because that's my ancestral history. What I wanted to learn, I was doing art about this direct and kind of spiritual connection to land. And as I started to do my MFA work in so-called New Mexico, it was basically impossible for me to do this um, without acknowledging settler colonialism because mm -hmm. like New Mexico has a really strong uh, history and contemporary um, indigenous resistance to settler colonialism. And if I'm interested in justice and protecting the land, I started to realize like, oh, I need to be much more interested in settler colonial history and indigenous sovereignty. Um, and so then as I started to learn my history of how I end up on this continent, it was about Mormonism. So I started studying Mormonism and settler colonialism and how those overlap. And most of the stuff I learned, I, I'd never learned before. I didn't actually understand that the characters in the Book of Mormon were ancient indigenous people. Even though it is right there in the introduction of the book, they don't, they didn't really teach us scriptures that way. Like Mormonism, like a lot of Christian sects, pick and choose what they're going to teach based on the contemporary moment. And if I would have been raised, if I would have been born like 20 years sooner, I absolutely would have been learning this because the church was making a huge effort to assimilate um, mostly Diné, but indigenous people from all over the, you know, west of the Mississippi. And so there was a lot of talk about how they fit into the Book of Mormon, how they fit into Mormon history, how they fit into Mormon mythology. But by the time I was born, that was all being turned down because this program wasn't creating more tithing payers, which is the church's goal for everything they do is to create more tithing payers. What's that mean? Um, uh, sorry, it's in Mormonism to be a worthy member, quote unquote worthy, you have to pay 10% of your income. Mm -hmm. um, and that's called tithing. And so the really... Mormonism, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is literally a corporation. Um, they're worth like around $100 billion, give or take. They don't have to release their income or tax information because they don't pay taxes. So, yeah, they don't have to release their finances in the U.S. because of religious protections. So no one really knows how much they're worth. But basically, this, this assimilation program, which was a foster boarding school, um, wasn't really making more members, wasn't making more people who are going to repeatedly come to church and thus pay their tithing. And so they dropped it. So by the time I was born, that stuff was all just like being disappeared because they were embarrassed by it. They made a mistake. Um, within a decade of me being born, those DNA studies were coming out that were showing that indigenous people have no genetic relation to peoples of ancient Israel and so just a lot of things were falling apart for them so they just kind of like oh that's not looking good let's stop talking about it and so when I was raised they just didn't talk about this stuff at all um it was just the 
you know, more or less like um, what I was learning is the more common U.S. narrative that indigenous people lived here a long time ago. They magically disappeared because they just weren't ready for progress. And here we are today, you know, making the world a better place as the United States. Um, and so as a Mormon, these things just like I watched cartoons about these things. And so to me, they like right now I have this little display for like an art piece that I'm thinking about where I have these toy Book of Mormon characters with these toy Ninja Turtle characters, because in my mind, they were equally they were stories. They were both stories. I didn't understand it to be literalist the way it really is. Um, yeah, so like the... So can you, yeah, maybe we should get into, because that, you know, I, I've met Native people that were, you know, like in, went, you know, because Mormons have boarding schools that went to Mormon schools, you know, and they were, you know, were within the Native Mormon within the Mormon community and, and they're a lot older now and they would tell me that Mormons told them that they were Lamanites mm -hmm. you know that was like what the hell's a Lamanite <laughs> <laughs> so keep describe what what a Lamanite is going you know get into these vocabulary Naf yeah. Na Lamanites, Nephites, Geradites, Mulekites yeah yeah, yeah. What, what um <laughs> okay so the Book of Mormon is the central scripture of Mormonism. That's where the word Mormon comes from. Mormon was one of these so-called ancient indigenous peoples who kept a record of their people that's very similar to the Bible, even in its language. Some of it is straight up plagiarized out of the New Testament. Um, and so the story begins basically with these people building a boat and fleeing ancient Israel because it's going to become a fallen place and God is saving these chosen Jews out of all the rest of them. And these people come here and colonize this land. They're all white and delightsome until some of them start to break up. So there's these two brothers, there's Nephi and there's Laman, and they fight a lot and eventually develop two different tribes all together, two different groups. And one of the groups names themselves after Laman. They're the Lamanites. And then the other group names themselves after Nephi. They're the Nephites. Eventually, God curses all of the Lamanites with dark skin. And the Nephites continue to be the godly people. Um, eventually, Jesus shows up. And there's peace for a thousand years. These two people stop fighting. And... Um, then after a thousand years, people turn back to pride. You know, their life is too comfortable because they've been good for so long. So their life has been good. But then they fall into like laziness and lose their discipline and their piety. And so because the Nephites lose their divinity through pride, they are wiped out by the warring Lamanites. Because, you know, Lamanites get ascribed all of the characteristics that settler colonists have applied to indigenous people through the history. So an easier way, if you're like not interested in getting deeper into this, is just to understand that Lamanites means indigenous people. Nephites means settler colonial idea of what a civilized person is. Lamanites means settler colonial idea of what a primitive person is. Okay. Um, and when they came here, they were first called Lamanites? On this they were all imaginary story. <laughs> yeah, in in this mythology, 
when they first got here, they were called Lehites. But I don't, it gets confusing because Lehi is Laman and Nephi's dad. So he is the original patriarch of all the peoples of this continent in that mythology. And yet, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I don't want to bring this as like a reference or like a citing this too much, but there's that, you know, South Park episode. You know, I show my daughter, I, I show my daughter that episode because there was like the scene where an angel comes in, I think it's like Moroni or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, why are you white? Because like, oh, real Native Americans were white or something like that. And she's had this mm -hmm. weird face. She was like, what the hell? <laughs> she looked mm -hmm. at me like, what the hell is this shit? Do they really believe this? I'm like, yeah, they do, you know? But, you know, it's 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 weird because I, I have another story. When I was in high school, I, I told you this story. And I um, met somebody that we were going to trade cars, you know, because I had a old car, yeah. he had an old car. And then uh, he... He's, you know, he was like, oh, you're native, blah, blah, blah. And then he, this was the first time, this was the first time when I heard these stories because he was like, oh, you know, Lamanites and Nephites and trying to, and I was like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> this was before the South Park episode, right? So um, I was just like, this is the weirdest shit. Like he was telling me about Jesus coming to America. He showed me a picture where Jesus like with holes in his hands was standing on top of some Aztec temple you know, and like the fucking natives were looking up at him. And I was just like, what the hell? What the is? Do they really believe us? Like, this is fucking wild, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you kind of touched a little bit, but you know, like the, um, you know, Joseph Smith was like trying to find, <clears throat> uh, you know, lost treasure from, you know, from his stories or whatever, or from Native Americans, whatever he said it at first, you know. So he was a con artist, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. This kind of, I think it kind of shifted and we talked about this a little bit. And can you talk about Mormons, the Mormon church, um, their role in uh, anthropology, archeology span in Latin America? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, first I wanted to mention that part of that archaeology is that South Park episode was the first time, as far as I'm aware, is the first time that the actual way that Joseph Smith quote unquote translated these golden plates, the supposed ancient record, was by putting a rock inside of a top hat and then putting his face inside the top hat and then the words of the scripture just magically appeared to him. So there's a whole side story where everything that he found in his treasure dig in which he found the Book of Mormon, he never used to create the English translation of the Book of Mormon. Um, so on on that part where I was saying I actually wasn't taught any of this, mm -hmm. a lot of Mormon history <clears throat> is just straight up not taught. That's they, they just bury it and people who do talk about it get called um, anti-Mormon writers. So basically... Anti-Mormon literature just means Mormon history. Um, so following that, the archaeology foundations, so this is something I've talked about before in my page, is that Mormonism is founded on archaeology, and archaeology is founded in treasure digging. And this happens very literally because Joseph Smith is raised to be a treasure digger, and he's he's a failure at it. He's successful in that he's making money at it, but he's a failure in that he never finds gold until he finds these golden plates from which he builds a very successful religion that's now worth hundreds of billions of dollars 
that earned him millions in contemporary dollars by Mormons, you know, members just giving him money as well as like a bank con that he ran. Anyway, so following that idea that archaeology is really a treasure hunt, thinking of like Indiana Jones, um, Mormons continued to be interested in archaeology. So like in Joseph Smith era, he dug up the Book of Mormon. He also dug up this, um, you know, he would dig up the burial mounds of mound builder cultures and pull out the bones and skulls and be like, these were the ancient peoples of this scripture. This person was in a great battle. Um, that grew into around, let me see, I got my notes open on this. The New World Archaeology Foundation, which was started in the, oh, dang it, I had that open. Anyway, so the Mormon Church owns a school called BYU, Brigham Young University, and Brigham Young University has an archaeology foundation that is the, like, beginning of serious archaeology in so-called Central America. So a lot of Mormon archaeologists believe that where these Nephites and Lamanites, the Lehites, landed, where this boat of ancient Israelis landed, was Central America. And since they believe that the Nephites are quote-unquote civilized people and that the Lamanites are quote-unquote primitive people, they found the only place on this continent that settler colonists see civilization had been occurring. And they were like, oh, that must be where this is. Look, they build temples, they have farms. Um, you know, they, they obviously are these Nephites. And so um, uh, this amateur archeologist and a professional historian, who's also an amateur archeologist got together and started this program, got funding from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who eventually absorbed the program into their school, and then did tons of research of archaeology, you know, findings in so-called Central America to find proof of the Book of Mormon. So in one sense, they weren't actually doing, I mean, I'm, I'm not an archaeologist, but they weren't doing science because they already knew what they knew and were trying to prove it. They weren't taking information and then building a story based on the information they found. They had a story and they were seeking information to support that story. This has grown into, um, there are several tour companies that you can hire who will take you on Book of Mormon tours of Central America in much the same way that you can pay to take a Bible tour of Palestine. Um, and one of these places is known as El Mirador, and El Mirador is in Guatemala, and a Mormon archaeologist is down there right now. He was the person who first discovered that this temple and its surrounding structures are some of the oldest examples of this era of um, Mayan civilization. And this is significant because no Mormon archaeologist has found a quote-unquote civilization that is as old as the Book of Mormon says it should be. So these peoples 
in the Book of Mormon supposedly showed up at 600 AD, and none of the Mayan or Aztec um, archaeology and architecture are that old. But El Mirador is the first one that is actually old enough to have existed simultaneously with the mythology of the Book of Mormon. And what he's trying to do is turn this into a resort. He is working with people like Mel Gibson, with um, the shoot prince of somewhere in South Southern Europe, and uh, Mel, yeah. Anyway, Mel Gibson of Apocalypto, who's really into this stuff. They're working together and raising a lot of money in order to privatize this land because they think they're going to save it. When right now they're is a community of indigenous and local stewards who are sustainably managing the forest and running a carpentry business to support themselves. So it's literally this communal group of indigenous peoples are living sustainably with their land and he wants to turn it into a private corporation to, to privatize it in order to protect it. But this land, this forest, is one of the only areas in which deforestation is at near zero. Everywhere else around it, deforestation, where it's federal land, where it's national parks and stuff, from the help of U.S. aid, the quote-unquote help of our uh, neoliberal arms of imperialism, um, deforestation is way up because narco ranchers are in there running their ranch programs in order to, you know, funnel their, to, what's it called, launder their money from drug sales. Anyway, so it's just this, like, really interesting story that layers, like, anti the history of anti-communism, the history of Mormonism, the history of anti-indigeneity, the history of archaeology, all on top of each other. Um, and I wrote an article about this once, but then his lawyers sent us a cease and desist Um so maybe don't put his name in the show notes so that it doesn't show up in his Google pop-up. But yeah, so Mormon Mormonism, as far as I know from my friend who is an archaeologist, that central so-called Central American archaeology is primarily a Mormon, a, a Mormon-founded and a Mormon-run industry. And one of the founders of that New World Archaeology Foundation is one of my great uncles. Um, and so that's also one of the reasons I do this is like, this isn't, this is my, my people actually did this. Like my ancestors actually created these mythologies and supported them. Um, and his partner, the other man who started this new world archeology span foundation, he actually lost his faith in this process because he was being a better scientist. And with the information that he found, he realized that there's no way the book of Mormon is true. And he just lost his faith and thus like that story disappeared. Like again, this repeated narrative of whenever something is inconvenient or counters the dogma, it just disappears, which is also a reason that you'll see so many Mormons being outspoken about Mormonism or ex-Mormons is because they, they lie a lot. So it's really easy to <laughs> expose them. So, uh, hmm. Yeah, this is concerning because I know there's, you know, Mormons in, in uh, you know, Latin America, Mexico, and they have big communities in Mexico, too, I think, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think um, it's very concerning hearing this, you know, but, you know, the reason why I think it's, it's, it's wild because they are, 
and we talk about race shifting, I talk about race shifting on the page and on, on, the, on this podcast, but it seems like they're race shifting their religion, right? <laughs> to, to, you know, to like a seller move to innocence, but in their religions. And then through their religion, they're, they're like seller move to innocence themselves. You know, they're, they're moving mm-hmm. to innocence themselves. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we were here before. You know, there's a whole history trying to prove it. So I'm trying to piece everything together that you're telling me. And that, you know, since, you know, we were here before, like we are the real, we should be the real, you know, um, stewards of this land, not as indigenous peoples that fell off mm-hmm. with God and now their skin is brown, right? And, yep. you know, and then we can't mix with them because they're, you know, bad quote unquote and it to me it sounds like <laughs> like really like a sick joke like you know uh yes. people actually believe this shit like they they i don't know man like how can you how can you i, I don't know because there's, there's there's not one mormon sect there's like several sects too right mm-hmm. there's the other one that was in that documentary i don't know what's the name of that of that um, um warren jeff right yeah yeah he- Keep sweet, pray and obey. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know, there's 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 still like there's extremist sects of mm-hmm. Mormonism, and some of them are pretty like militant, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to territory unless you're invited or you get like you know seriously mm-hmm. fuck with. But this goes back into the history of Mormonism versus the yep. I think you talked about a little bit versus the American government. Yeah. And we talked about this before how. Mitt, when Mitt Romney ran for president, <laughs> I was just like, he's a Mormon running for Paris president. Because usually, like, there was a time where, like, even Jeff K, when he first ran for president, yeah. they were like, oh, he's a Catholic. This is taboo. Yeah. But when, when I don't know, was Mitt Romney the first Mormon to run for president? Or was there other ones? No, there were other ones. Joseph Smith. Oh, he did he? Yeah. But so he, he, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to. So remember, we were talking about that. Um, Mormons were upset that the U.S. wasn't intervening on their religious rights to occupy and colonize already colonized areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that rejection, Joseph Smith was like, fuck it, I'm going to run the United States. And he took all of his missionaries. So like, we're, I can, I'm sure most of us are familiar with Mormon missionaries. He took all of them and turned all of their missions into campaign missions. So these people who were already all over what was the U.S. at that time suddenly turned from being religious conversion to being campaign conversion and trying to get Joseph Smith elected as president. Um, He was assassinated before the election, so who knows how well he would have done. But there have actually been 11 Mormons who have ran for president or almost run for president or tried to run for president. Um, one of them tried to run with George Wallace, the segregationist and white supremacist whose campaign badge had the Confederate battle flag on it. Um, and anyways, so yeah, I think that the more the the U.S. Mormon conflict, I think, is a really good one to frame the settler nativism because as inheritors of this supposed history of this continent of god's history of this continent um they see themselves yes as the like the heirs the people who have a birthright to this land and part of that birthright 
is the supposedly divine United States. Um, Mormons have, I'm not sure if it's a contemporary belief or not, but um, former prophets have talked about the U.S. Constitution as a divine document, as a scripture. And just as Mormonism sees itself as the restoration of the church Jesus Christ started, they also see themselves as the people who will restore the United States to his constitutional foundation. Um, so they believe that the United States has fallen away from its divine um, origins, and thus it's their responsibility to restore it to that original state. So now they're Christian nationalists, they're constitutional fundamentalists, they are settler supremacists. Um, white nationalists, uh, you know. And you white nationalists, yeah, yeah. yeah. As well as supersessionists, they believe they've replaced Jews as the chosen people, they Anyway, so this moves into that they've fled to, they've tried to escape the U.S. That doesn't work. The U.S. and Mormons continue fighting each other because Mormons basically occupied like a third of what was now the United States and were living in open insurrection to the United States, making threats to them and saying that they were going to pay for the assassination of Joseph Smith. Um, in fact, the first civil war was between Mormons and the United States. The first what US year was civil that? war, 1856 to 58. Um, Where was this at? The East in Utah, in the oh, Utah, Utah territory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. President, you can look it up. It's called the Utah War or Buchanan's Blunder. Um, because a lot of the politicking from the 1850s into like the 1890s was anti-Mormon. Like just as I assume most listeners here are familiar with the quote unquote Indian problem, mm -hmm. and then maybe also familiar with the China problem. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, they were always, the Congress was discussing the Mormon problem. Um, the 1856 uh, banner of the Republican party was to abolish the twins the twin relics of barbarism, slavery and polygamy. Um, so this gets into that the reason, so, so Mormons seeing themselves as both the inheritors of the divine United States, as well as this land, which is God's supposedly to them, this is God's promised land. He promised it to his chosen people who Mormons identify themselves as. But this is where that Indian indigenous fetish um, anti-indigeneity comes in, is mm -hmm. that that's the story, is that indigenous peoples are the original chosen people. But after y'all were cursed with a skin of blackness, you lost that birthright, and now it's Mormons. And so that's when, you know, these boarding school programs, basically, Mormons got the idea, Mormons got to keep the settler colonial idea that they were better gentler settler colonists because they did lean toward assimilation more often than genocide more often than millet genocide they lean toward cultural genocide um anyway so yeah that basically and the end times belief of mormonism so getting back to how they see this land fits into mormonism and its christian nationalism is that when they are building these Zions, like everywhere they moved, they were trying to gather and build a Zion. 
they needed to do that because for <laughs> they're Zionist. yeah because they're zionists <laughs> and like most christianities believe that jesus christ will come a second time and you know again a thousand years of peace will happen these apocalyptic ideologies but mormonisms is political as like overtly political because they believed they had to build a political kingdom of god on earth so that when jesus shows up he already has a king's throne to sit in because there's already a kingdom he's ready to reign over which has an army who can overthrow all of these um apostates and gentiles and all the other negative words for people who aren't christian um that sounds like genocide yeah yeah Zionism. Yes, literally yeah. yeah and that's the thing is like i really appreciated one of your um tweets that you put on instagram recently about the contradiction of christianity in liberation is mm -hmm. that as far as i understand i've yet to meet a christianity who doesn't believe that eventually everyone will be made christian um yeah and that's also a mormon thing and you can't exist in a world in which many worlds fit if you believe that yours is the only world that should exist um, yeah that that's the question i wanted to ask you too but before we get into that i just want to make an observation because i don't want to go too far back after yeah. this, this topic is that you know they say that the constitution is divine or whatever um mm -hmm. wouldn't the constitution you know like contradict <laughs> the more mormon religion because for you know just for the one topic of separation of church and state and they are <laughs> their church is like in the, in the forefront right yeah. and i think oh, it's yeah. just you know, creating this political ideology that, you know, that talks about, you know, making themselves like seller move to innocence, genocide, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, this extreme Americanism, Zionism, all because some dude read some rocks in a hat that's never been found. <laughs> like this dude just created a crazy ass situation because he was a con artist. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and if people are still buying it, they're living by mm -hmm. it. There's a crazy pedophile sect of it, you know, in somewhere, you know, uh, in Utah with the Warren Jeffs group. There's a documentary about that. And they're 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 probably running amok in other countries because there's probably not that many laws about, you know, containing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, polygamy yeah. and all that stuff. But I think, you know, and going back to, to the question we were uh, talking about is what were we talking about for god <laughs> um shoot oh damn it <laughs> i don't know yeah um it was you know you were talking about um yeah fuck me god damn it yeah we were starting to get ahead oh the contradiction of christianity and their oh like, yeah incomes. yeah so that's one thing I, you know, there's many contradictions on, on this continent. And one thing is that you talk, you know, we, you know, we um, talked about how Christianity is, you know, what's that word? Mono. Oh, monotheistic. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, like you said, it can't exist with other ideas. You know, this is why I think it's kind of weird. I think that, you know, because I was raised a Christian too. I'm not a Christian right now, but I was raised like super strict, like Seventh Day Adventist, right? Oh, Which is yeah. super strict. Yeah, they have a lot in common with Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, 
there is like that way or the highway, yeah. right? And yeah. I I totally disliked that growing up, you know. And um, you know, so to me, but still, like capitalism, the idea of capitalism via, you know, uh, these religions don't don't mix. But in the same time, I think it does because they they're 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 meant to, um, you know, in the economic side. When I, when I talk about that, I'm talking about the whole needle the camel through the fucking needle whole thing right mm-hmm. the bible mm-hmm. shit but i'm talking yeah. about like but it does the, the religion itself is a colonizer religion because it talks about christianity as a whole it talks about fulfilling or being fruitful whatever which one means having a lot of kids and two means converting other people into your religion and then yeah. them having a bunch of kids this is why you had you see mormons with yeah. like eight ten kids or whatever they have yeah. a fuck ton of kids god damn on purpose <laughs> right and it's just like <laughs> It's you know, a commandment. yeah. So it's one of those things that they're 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 colonizing. They're, they want more kids spread mm-hmm. and spread and spread, mm-hmm. and to the point where their their ideology, their religion is dominant. And I think that should scare. You. It mixed with all these mm-hmm. things we're talking about, mixed with how strong they are economically, worth over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, mixed with them being pedophiles. You know, on on, mm-hmm. on you know the certain sex. You know, and it's just mm-hmm. and militant. You know, mm-hmm. and thinking yep. about, I and mean, we're, we're just going through all this stuff again, doing a recap. It's just, this is why we're talking about it. And then we have to talk about yeah. race shifting or not race shifting, you know, like, or accelerate moves to innocence. It is race yeah. shifting at that point. Yeah. You know, the whole I mean, They consider themselves indigenous in a sense, like yeah. religiously indigenous. So, you know, it's, 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 it's hard because like I ask, you know, like, so if we, if we remove, the 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 mormons because there's some religions that are just so extreme i think like mormonism scientology you know but like i tell i tell people like some people in this country are so religious like i think some communists especially like non-native communists they 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 think like hey uh, all we have to do is teach people about class struggle and that's it and then they're gonna minds are gonna like change and they're gonna free their minds and they're gonna be like, oh now, yeah, well, I agree with Marxism. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works because religion plays a big role in this country, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> how are you gonna tell them about the religion? And how are you gonna tell them that the religion is full of shit for them to abandon their religion, right? Because their religion is not gonna mix well with Marxism, right? Or with decolonization on, on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, giving native their land back. They they want to convert. How do you tell a religion that's made to to colonize, to spread, to stop spreading? Hey, can you please stop spreading? Can you, you know, can you be in solidarity with us? They're not gonna do that. They yeah. believe nonsense. Like I went to the church, I went to a church, I was writing to a church people, you know, I try not to be like, no, I don't want to go, you know, I was like, this was like 17 years ago. And I went to church with a with a friend that invited me. I guess people try to convert me all the time, you know. So I went, <laughs> I went and it was it was a, a Mexican <clears throat> or Hispanic church, whatever. You know, it was in Spanish. And the, the preacher was, and this was a regular Christian. I don't know what Christian, but it was like, you know, like, uh, it's not one of those big religions, like the sub ones, right? And okay. uh, the, the pastor was like, we're all Jews because we believe in Christianity. And I was just like, that's not how it works. This is a fucking weird church, right? I was like... I, I want to be mean about it. like don't fucking bring me again but I was like I'm never coming here again <laughs> but but this is the shit that you know Christians or you know some some churches teach right and you know there's 
there's even people that make pages they're like oh christian leftism you know like christian can, can mix with communism but i'm i'm just like i don't know man because the idea of like again having a bunch of kids and then converting other people into your religion instead of respecting their own mm -hmm. cultural ideology, you know, their own cultures, their own languages. To me, it's just like, and we have the, the other aspect is the history of colonization <clears throat> was mm -hmm. done through the church, you know, Spanish mm -hmm. had the Catholic church, the Americans, the British had their, you know, their Christianity and it spread. And this is why there's, there's Christianity everywhere. And, and, and then they use the indigenous people to their converts to convert other other indigenous people and you know this is indigenous people anywhere you know on the continent yeah. just not just here and and they become you know like why i would say like agents of of colonization which they're like oh no mm -hmm. like marxism is bad like it's anti-christian oh you know like don't you know this way of government or even like jehovah's witnesses they're they're just like hey like we shouldn't vote in the government because that's like not God's government you know whatever huh. the hell you know yeah so I know because <laughs> I you know I'm not Jehovah's Witness but I think you know I, I talked to them about comparing to Seventh Day Adventists very a lot of similarities right yeah and yeah those you know, three do yeah and they like the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in voting in Earth government stuff because it's not <laughs> God's government. Right. So I'm just like, well, but you got to fucking live. You live in, yeah, you know, like, yeah. what the fuck? But they, yet yeah, they have their own government, which is fucking odd. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, but, I think that, I think that material separation is a, is, is a helpful way to look again at the, the Mormon settler colonialism and the Mormon Christian nationalism, the Mormon nationalism in that. The reason that people who obviously emigrated here from Northern Europe can pretend that they are the, the people to whom the birthright of this continent goes to is through that settler move to innocence. And that innocence is only possible when the material conditions obviously prove, you know, show a bloodbath. Um, they are able to continually see themselves as innocent because everything they did was God's will. They are working for God's government in that sense. And since Christianity believes in an eternal life, and Mormons actually believe in a material eternal life, that this physical body will exist eternally, then killing people isn't that big a deal because you just shortened this really painful test that God's putting us all through so that they could move on to the next step, especially if you baptize them once they're dead, then you just did them a favor. And if that's God's will and God works in mysterious ways and God gets to commit global genocide whenever he feels like it, then there's nothing you can do that is guilty. And you have nothing to apologize for because you've always been working under God's will, which is this immaterial state that exists above the material state of land and can't be compared because in that hierarchy, what happens materially, the, the, the earthly government doesn't matter. You don't need to participate in it because it's this eternal state that really matters. And so not only, and you know, that trickles down into the infinite ways that they operate settler nativism, all the other layers of the way they're like, 
well, actually, you know, we're helping them because we're returning them to the, we're helping indigenous peoples by returning them to their defined state as civilized white people, which I don't think I've mentioned yet that Mormons also teach that they will literally turn indigenous people white when they've become saved again, basically. Um, and they, there's, yeah, like, anyway. That's crazy, yeah. yeah. So yeah, my, my mic was muted, sorry, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers stuff. Like you say, it really, like, once you actually pull the thing apart, because this is obviously not what you get taught at church. Like, I'm synthesizing it through an analysis that they would never use because they don't, they operate under settler colonialism, but they don't critique it. And so they would so never. Do they believe that they're in turn the native white in the next life? Because they do believe in the next life with, you know, yeah, a bunch of whites. Both. Okay. In this life too? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Yeah. yeah. There's a quote um from that boarding school era which it's it's not really a boarding school because what happened is indigenous people got fostered by white mormon families and then just sent to public school mm -hmm. but the public schools were white dominant and mm -hmm. so it was separate them from their family in order to enculturate them into um whiteness and mormonism to send them back so that that would then spread on the reservation that didn't work but anyway, there's a quote from that period that was, again, like 20 years before I was born. So if I was born 20 years earlier, I would have been hearing this stuff that um, this prophet is speaking from the pulpit. And he's saying that he has this image of like five place, five uh, Diné students who have been in this um, foster program for a few years and he's like if you compare the image of them standing next to their parents they're several shades lighter already than the people who stayed and lived on the hope lived on the reservation in the hogans and so he was seeing literal proof of the lightning of these people as they were being assimilated into um u.s colonial culture and anyway yeah so, so there are was that a light trick or what what did, what did they do to do that? I, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, they probably were, I, if they were actually lighter and it wasn't just like a camera catching light funny, they'd been spending all their time indoors. They go yeah. to an indoor public school. They go to an indoor, you know, white person's house. They don't, they, they had less sun contact. It's the same reason that people's are brown or black or white is because of how much sun contact they had. Like, mm. um, but yeah, anyway, so those like, they, they have that immaterial divine state that mm -hmm. has been used by Western philosophy, like the whole time as the reason we can destroy the earth is because there's like, you know, Plato's ideals, um, there's Descartes' mind over matter kind of idea. So like Western history has repeatedly separated the material from this like spiritual level and applied the spiritual, the abstract, the conceptual layer as far more valuable than the actual material layer, which means that you get to destroy a rainforest as long as it leads us more toward this conceptual, abstract, capitalist, hierarchical world. That's what's scary, is they think they can do all this damage and, like, and just be like, oh, we're going to go to heaven anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're actually helping yourself build your way toward heaven because the apocalyptic beliefs that Mormons have and a lot like every Christianity requires that 
the world falls into turmoil, that there are um, plagues, that there are environmental disasters, that there are wars and rumors of wars, and that these things have to occur before Jesus will come home and make everything perfect again. And so the will to be anti-imperialist, the will to support um, mm. or to fight against climate collapse, there's no motivation for that. Because the sooner this world farts apart, the sooner you get to escape this burden of being a body and you get to just live with Jesus in peace all the time on gold streets and keep populating eternally. That's wild because I think, and that's the, that's the other, you know, that's part of the tweet I made. It's like they have this mentality where it's just like, hey, fuck it, you know, like, and trying to say, hey, man, there's other issues, there's native issues, there's environmental issues, there's economic issues, there's U.S. fucking imperialism, like you said, mm -hmm. and just they just shrug. And I met these, I met these types of people, like I have people that I met, you know, I, I've been to their house, and they have a big ass poster, it's like wall sized, and it's like, how old the fucking earth is, and it's 5,000 years old, you know, <laughs> and like, he, you know, and they have all these like, historical markings like you know tower of babel and all this yeah. shit fucking the flood story oh within five thousand years you know i'm like there's trees older than this fucking calendar how the fuck does that happen and they just like you know like they get fucking really mad about mm -hmm. it when i say some shit like that or i'm like let's fuck this calendar you know so and but it's hard because like as i said before like how if we as like you know, Marxists don't address this contradiction. How can we, you know, um, how can we, you know, how can we move forward? Are we going to, you know, we can't just say class struggle and that's it. These people are ingrained, ingrained. And a lot of us have a lot of uh, older generation grandparents that are super ingrained into this. I mean, I, I know tribal members that uh, are, you know, Mormon or like super Christian and that, they think, you know, China is evil and, you know, like communism is evil and they, they've been so brainwashed yeah. to not even consider, you know, the alternative that you've been brainwashed. You know, they understand yeah. colonization, but, you know, they kind of like, they don't want to let go of these things that were part of their colonization with religion or, mm -hmm. you know, governmental theories, structures, you know, they wave American flags you know, or whatever, and they're just like, you know, this is how it is, like, you know, and, and they don't want to just deep, you know, dig deeper into their consciousness to unfuck oh, it. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, personal thing, I don't know, you know, <laughs> but this is Native people. Now we, now we get into, like, settlers that are actively, <laughs> like, so here's what my next question is, it's like, so you've been in the church and you left the church. So my first question is, you left the church, and when you were leaving the church, what was that experience like? Would you get you got a lot of support? Did you get like no support? Did you get a lot of like negativity from people that were diehard Mormons? You know, tell me everything, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was it was horrible. <laughs> so I'm I was uh, born and raised in Utah, um, and nearly every person in my ancestral line for eight generations back was also born and buried in Utah. Um, and so like everyone I know is Mormon pretty much at this point. I left when I was 18 and another one of the Mormon requirements for um, people who are assigned to be men 
is that they go on a proselytizing mission when they turn 19. And so this was, you know, the sort of like a tension point that I was like, well, I either go spend two years of my life volunteering to tell other people they should be a part of a church that I've just been a part of because I was born into it and everyone I know is in it. And it's just like, I don't really question it that much because it's like, it's like questioning going to school. Like everyone goes to school, everyone before you went to school is like, well, what else is there? You just do it because you have to, otherwise your parents get arrested, I hear. Um, and so I reached that point and that's when I really started to like introspect. And for me, it like had nothing to do with any of the stuff I'm doing now. It had little to do with me feeling like attacked or unwelcomed at church. It was just that the God and Jesus that I was taught about, who are all loving, who were radical, who you know, fought with those who suffered, cried with those who cried. I don't know the scriptures, but, you know, they were good people. <laughs> and yet simultaneously, there's this God who says that if you don't give 10% of your money to this church, if you don't get married inside of this temple, if you don't go to church regularly inside this building, you can't get into heaven. I'm all knowing and I'm all loving but I just don't know you and love you enough to know that you're being a good person without doing these specific rites and rituals and economic and political activities, which was like, okay, that doesn't really make much sense. I don't feel comfortable telling someone else that they should be like me when I don't even know why I'm like me. Um, I lost all of my friends immediately. Like I was also graduating high school at this time and like none of my friends would hang out with me anymore. Um, my parents were obviously okay, yeah. super okay. stressed about it. Like, so to understand the Mormon mindset is that this is a test for your eternal life. If you fuck this up, especially if you've had the truth, if you've been Mormon and then you leave it, you're even more cursed <gasps> than people who never even heard of Mormonism. And so my mom <laughs> is losing her chance to spend eternity with me which is even more significant because we're all enduring our lives like not enjoying them we're enduring them until they're over so that we can live in eternal bliss after surviving this test and i'm failing the test and mormonism with that missionary thing with that like um conversion centric thing it's the parent's responsibility to ensure their child's salvation. That's like your main role. If you fuck up that role, you've also fucked up as a parent and you can't go to heaven. And so there are these layers of stresses my mom's feeling that she is losing a child. Because again, this material versus immaterial world of heaven and earth, heaven is way more important than earth. Earth is a blip. And so like, her ostracizing me in this life is a beneficial tactic because it might convince me to come back and thus my eternal, the more important part of myself is saved. I live on the other side where I think this is it. This is the only Nicholas Jacobson that gets to exist. And after this, like I turn back into soil, hopefully, I, you know, it's kind of outside of my hands once I'm dead, but <laughs> like to me, this is it. And so like, the the opposite things are happening my mom thinks she's losing me forever and so is cutting me off but by cutting me off i'm like you're gonna lose me forever because yeah um and then there's also this internal stuff going on because 
as a person raised Utah Mormon, Mormonism is everything. Like my school teachers were Mormon. I went to church like seven days a week as a Mormon. Um, six days a week. And I have so, a question. Yeah. So did you, maybe, I don't know if I missed it, but did you say, openly say, I doubt Mormon teachings or did you just say, I, I want to go to this fucking missionary retreats for whatever, two years, right? What, what was it that you openly said that people were like, what the exactly, fuck? exactly, but I feel like it would have been, I don't want to go on a mission. And then it would have been why? And I'd be like, I don't think I really believe this. And oh, okay. They, but you say to your parents or did you say yeah. it to the church? Oh, both. Because oh, like, <laughs> I still had to go to church until I wasn't living under my mom's house. Because, you know, as long as you're living under my roof, you're going to follow my rules. Um, which is also very Christian. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like my, my, my church leaders were also, because it's all of their responsibilities. Because I'm still a youth. And so my salvation is still their responsibility in a way. Can I ask how the church leaders reacted? Did they say, okay, well, fuck off then? Or were they trying to pull you in and trying to convince you to stay? Mm -hmm. It starts, for me anyway, and I think most of the time, it starts with them trying to pull you back in. They'll mm -hmm. be extra nice. They'll be extra like attentive. And some will try to listen a little bit, even though the majority of the dynamic is them trying to fill your head back up with the ideas fill those like doubt voids with with information but if you ask the wrong questions or the right questions if you ask questions that they don't have answers for that sort of you know i guess to use this language point out the contradictions then that's when they start to be like oh you're a full-on hazard because mm. you're thinking dangerous thoughts unless you get pushed away which was why my high school friends all pushed me away is because i'm now a danger because I'm now having thoughts that led me away from the church and being led away from the church is synonymous with being led away from happiness with being I have a question from joy so when yeah. you were in that school you know it was in a you know Mormon area mm -hmm. was it like 100% Mormon or was it like a little bit percent were not Mormon yeah it was I would guess like 90 i can't say for sure did you have like, any support from any people that were mormon in that school or where people were like eh. um not i mean again like i left right after graduation mm -hmm. so like most of my non-mormon friends were only school friends because they didn't live in the same neighborhood as me mm -hmm. and like on the weekends, I hung out with my church friends because we all lived in the same neighborhood because your churches are organized. Who you go to church with is organized by where you live in town. So, you know, and I was poor, so I didn't have a car most of the time. And so like I spent time with people I lived near and went to church with. So my high school friends, the like one or two I had who weren't Mormon, which is also discouraged because that's where you pick up on these foreign ideas that are going to lead you away from the truth, which, you know, seems wrong if you think about it too much, because like Mormon leaders have openly said that um, their three greatest enemies, this was like in the early 90s, I think, were academics, feminists and queers. Um, and so they've, they've, knowing, they've known that academia, that research is a danger to them the whole time. And that's taught to you as a child in the like, don't talk to people who aren't Mormon because they'll lead you away unless you're trying to convert them.
that's the only relationship you're supposed to have with non-Mormons is a conversion relationship. Yeah, it's wild. You're listening to this. Um, I, I was trying to think of something. Um, at what point did you, you know, when you're leaving, did you think, um, uh, what made you create that social media page to be like, fuck it? Did you think to yourself, like, hey, I'm done with this? Like, I don't know if you, if you were, consider, I, I would consider it like abuse the way they were treating you, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah. isolating you. Um, mm -hmm. with, did you say, I'm done with this abuse? Or did you find refuge in a community with people that left? Also? Yeah. So I left at 18. And then I eventually moved away from Utah 27. Um, and by the time I started this project, I was 36, like when I started mm -hmm. this thesis work. So I, I had been out of Mormonism as long as I was in it. Um, yeah. And so for me, starting the project, again, had little to do with like, oh, I had a bad experience and I want to like confront that bad experience. I recognize now, like I'm some of the stuff I do in therapy right now is about this religion. So I have found by like getting back into it of like, oh, there's some, uh, you know, some toxic decay in my closet. <laughs> let's, let's, let's clean that up. Um, and so... Sorry, my brain stopped. That's okay. I can share, if you want me to, I can share a little bit my experience with living. Yeah. Um, my religion. I'd yeah. like to hear that. So my mom, like I said, I, I, I talked earlier, you know, Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventist is like you go to church on a sun, uh, on Saturday, not a Sunday, right? Okay. It's really strict, like, you know, no jewelry, no, like material possessions or like, you know, like kind of like... Uh, a waste of time or to like you know a bad influence you know and always always church there was you know um so you go to church on saturday you know you go and from like nine to twelve or something <clears throat> eat lunch and again from like whatever whatever to five and it was all fucking day right i went to a little like church it was in spanish it was uh mm -hmm. in riverside um in california and it was just um, you know, there are certain points, you know, obviously, I, you know, people listening, they know that my stepdad was from China, he was, you know, and so he didn't believe this, right? So he had a, a fit, you know, um, with the religion, he didn't want his kids being converted into Christianity. But my mom was like, well, that he's not your son, so I'm going to convert him, right? So I had to go. Well, my brothers didn't, right? And one day... I was young, man. I was like eight or 10 years old, somewhere in that really young age. And my stepdad pulled me aside and he was like, how can you believe a religion that committed genocide on your people? And I was just like, I mean, I was a kid, you know? It was just like that, that right away. It was like, ding, you know, it made sense to me. And I was just like, what? And then, you know, he was like... Um, very you know pro education so he would buy me books about science you know history whatever you know extra homework type shit after school <laughs> on top of the homework i had right and i'm grateful for it you know it taught me a lot but i think um eventually um i was like i would say early teens i was like you know 12 13 and um 
my mom was really religious. So every day after school, before we can, you know, after our church, before we can go out, we had like prayer and reading the Bible, right? And it was like praying for like literally like 45 minutes, you know, straight on our knees or hands together, you know, and then, and then the reading the Bible was supposed to be for 30 minutes, but sometimes it went like three, four hours. Right. And I, I got upset because by the time that was done, it was dinner time and I can't go hang out with friends, you know? And I think my influence was to leave as a child was like, man, all my friends are playing baseball. And I love baseball back then. Right. And they'll be like, where were you? I was like, man, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Made us read the Bible for like hours and hours. So, you know, with the logic <laughs> that gave me, I was just like, I'm not doing this. Right. I was like, I told my friends one day, I was like, hey, I'll meet you for baseball or basketball, you know, and and I remember my mom was like, you can't go unless you you have to read this first, you know, read the Bible first. And I was just like, yo, like I promised them that I would go. And I, I didn't promise them to get out of it. I promised them mm -hmm. because like I just like I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a fucking kid. You need a team to play. Yeah. So. I was, you know what? I'm not I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore. So I just went and played with my friends and she was like, oh, you're grounded. So I went and I came back and it was like dinner time. This is the 90s. So, you know, you just leave, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you just disappear. There's no cell phone, you know? I don't have, you know, I, luckily yeah. like, I don't have text messages from my mom. I just left, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I come back and, and my stepdad was home and she was like mad at me. And she was, like, I, I turned on the Simpsons you know, and she was like, you can't watch The Simpsons. And my stepdad was like, what did he do? She was like, oh, he's grounded. Don't worry about it. I was like, no, you should tell him. You should tell him why you grounded me, <laughs> right? And, and you know, and I told him, I was like, hey, I'm grounded because I didn't want to read the Bible. And he was like, well, you know what? You're not grounded. <laughs> I was like, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> so I, I turned the Simpsons back on and she was mad. But at that point, I I had, I had a decision to make. You know, I, 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 you know, I was just like, if I go again to like, you know, keep going to like Bible readings, whatever, like, um, She's, you know, the, 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 the cycle is going to continue, right? So I decided from that moment on not to go any, anymore. So I remember mm -hmm. like, like after school, doing my homework, doing my chores. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now. And then walking past my mom and my other brothers and, you know, she's making them read. She was making them read the Bible behind my stepdad's back, right? Wow. Which, yeah. Wow. So um, I told them. I told him and he came home early one day to catch them doing it, you know, and yeah, it was a big thing. And I, you know, I was just like, yo, like I, I, I would like to think I liberated my brothers, but I, I, you know, I think they see it differently, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I remember walking past them and every time, you know, my mom would get so angry at me for, for, you know, wanting to not read the Bible and going out and play baseball but you know, I did have that internal, the internal battle with, within me. I mean, I was I was a child, right? Yeah, like yeah. if I don't, if I if, am I making the wrong decision because I means I won't be living forever and ever and ever. And then even as a kid, looking back, like just thinking of the thought of living forever, 
I mean, Forever is a fucking long time. There's a documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix about Forever, right? About <laughs> infinity. So I was like, is that even possible? How can you live infinity, right? So I was having these these like internal fights within me. Like, is that is infinity even possible? Like, you know, what the fuck does that mean? You know? Yeah. And and I was just like, you know, trying to fuck myself. But I eventually, you know, even though I left it, I don't like the religion. I think I kept some stuff. I, I know I kept some stuff, you know, uh, within within myself, like the, the anti-materialist thing. Like you don't have to be all, you know, you know, fancy, you know, dressed up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it made it really easy to get into like Marxism because I was like, I don't need material wealth, you know. And I was just my my, my material uh, needs need need to be met. And I'm I'm very like. Um, I won't say I'm very frugal with my money, but I'm very, you know, like I'm very smart, you know, how I spend stuff in education and all that stuff. But I think that's how that's how that's my story, you know. So I do have this really strong past in Christianity, but I do think that when people leave, and I've seen other people leave their own religions, it's you know, and it's it's really hard on them and it really mm-hmm. it's and they get abused, you know. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I, I mm-hmm. didn't. My, my story is very unique, right? But like, I, not that many people have the support I did mm-hmm. from, you know, like a family member, you know, mm-hmm. you know. But I think um, there's a lot of Mormons <laughs> that are like upset, and they're and they they want to share their stories, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I think, you know, but I think you're right, you know, with, on the sense that. They personalize it, but I think what, what I like about you is that you expand it and you you add history and you know and even your own family's history on on the settler colonization project on this content via religion via this very Zionist religion, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, sorry to interrupt all this really long story, no, but yeah, I I appreciate that and it helped me also remember. Um, what your question was and what I wanted uh, which was also why I got confused because I was remembering I wanted to add which coming out of what you were saying is I think that politics like you were saying that your current some of your current politics or at least like the aesthetic expression of them and your relationship with money did grow out of this and that was something for me that was really earth shattering is that because my experience of Mormonism was all-consuming, I not only lost friends and family, I lost politics, I lost identity, I lost history, because, like, Mormonism is all of those things. My Utah history class in fourth or fifth grade or whatever was Mormon history, because Mormons were the colonists of Utah, so it was their history we learned. Um And so in losing all of that, like one of the things I didn't have a support group when I left, really, like slowly I did start to find other friends who had left Mormons, Mormonism, but I wouldn't really call us a support group so much as a uh, mutually enabling addiction group. Uh, (laughs) We all spiraled together. (laughs) And so it really wasn't until like leaving Utah altogether and like Mormonism becoming in my mind, like this quirky part of my past that I was able to start to develop like um, ideas in community. And so like what I did is like when I left, I was like, oh, organized religion period is bad. 
And so organizing is bad because I also grew up in a deeply libertarian corner of Utah, which like the Bundys are live in that area. I don't know if um, many listeners here remember the Mulhere standoff in um, so-called Oregon that was going on at the same year as the Standing Rock standoff. Um, they also had their own armed standoff against the government in um, Arizona or uh, Nevada in like southeastern Nevada. Um, so literal militiamen fighting the U.S. government based on religious ideologies about the Constitution is who these men are. So I grew up in that corner. Anyway, so then I was like, all organizations are bad. Um, I'm a libertarian with some anarcho tendencies, even though I didn't know either of those words at that time. And so I just started like doing a lot of self-study and becoming kind of isolated because I like couldn't trust anyone anymore. All the adults in my life had been lying to me my entire life. <laughs> so like I just couldn't trust many people anymore. So I just like started spending a lot of time in the library and a lot of time like just in my own mind. Um, and then it was, I think because I had so much time away from Mormonism before I started this education project, mine became more politically than personal and more like historic than personal, even as I do like make an intentional attempt to blur those, because that's one of my points too, is like your personal struggles aren't separated from these systemic issues politics are personal kind of thing. Um, but when I actually decided, so I did my thesis project, I finished my MFA and I was focusing on this history because it's my history of how I developed a relationship with this land and land health was one of the important things for me. Like I came into this work through concerns about climate collapse and extinction. And then by learning that, you know, indigenous peoples are great stewards, which is how they survived in one place for tens of thousands of years. <laughs> so, you know, unlike us who are like, oh crap, we ruined Europe. I guess we better move to this continent. Um, and so it was through that that I was like, okay, then I need to study settler colonialism. If my end goal is land health, then I need to learn why the land isn't healthy and how I came to have this relationship, which was both settler colonialism and then as I started to get more involved in ex-Mormon communities on Instagram, I realized that one, almost no one was doing it from beyond a person, like the, the, the personal was the center. Like they got into other things, but their personal experience was usually the center. And the point was to like scare people out of being Mormon or like help them leave this abusive group, which it is. But my point is that um, the reason I started my page is that no one was talking about the settler colonialism that is foundational to this religion. Like, even if they would talk about white supremacy, they'd talk about this church's history of anti-blackness, which, you know, you pointed to in that that video, they, they discuss it, that um, peoples of African descent are cursed with black skin because in this pre-earth life when we were all God's spirit children, they were rebellious and so blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we can get into that one at another time maybe. But I was noticing that that was the only thing people were talking about. And Mormonism has at the very least mildly confronted their anti-blackness. 
I think it's a liberal like move to innocence as well. They haven't actually tried to grapple with it. They've tried to make it go away. Um, but the anti-indigeneity has never been addressed. Like they have this uh, essay, the Mormon church has an essay on their website called Race and the Priesthood in which they say that they disavow any doctrine or belief that like skin color has to do with divinity or goodness. I don't remember exactly what it says, but nowhere in the essay do they address the skin of blackness, the curse of a skin of blackness. They never address their anti-indigeneity white supremacy. They hmm. only focus on their anti-blackness um, white supremacy. And so that was my thing that I was like, no one is talking about this at all. Even when it's like, seems to be the subject matter they're addressing, they not even a sentence is being pointed toward the anti-indigeneity and the settler colonial foundations. And so that's when I was like, okay, this is probably because they don't know because 90% of what I learned in my research, I had no idea, never heard anything about it at all. Like, anyways, so that's when I decided I was like, okay, this is worth the energy and the obsession that will probably develop because I tend to be a bit obsessive with these things um, was that I was like, probably nobody else knows. Like, I don't think anyone else was taught these things. And also that I felt like I had this, you know, piece that I wanted to push others forward and toward, which again, the majority of the people running ex-Mormon pages are settler colonists. They are Euro descendant mm -hmm. and a lot of them are Utah Mormons, went to BYU. And so they're still doing the white thing of focusing on themselves. And so I wanted to show up and be like, yeah, this church is dangerous, but if you think it's dangerous to you, imagine what kind of power they have over other people. Yeah. Um, what kind of abuse and oppression they're able to exert. And keep in mind that we were all participating in that, like to not do, to, one of my issues with what I see the majority of online Mormon criticism is it's all out. It's all like, you did this, you did this, you did this, and you did it to me. And my thing is that I tried to shift is we did this, we did this, we did this because we were involved. And yes, you have been harmed. And yes, I think white supremacy and settler colonialism harms everyone. And if it harms those who it was built to somewhat support, imagine what it does to those for whom it was built to completely destroy. And so that's what I try to push people is to like, we need to look beyond our personal experiences because one, we are never gonna reach liberation if our only thought is ourselves and our family and what has harmed us if we don't learn to see our positions as oppressed oppressors if we don't start to really understand that and forward the oppressor side mm -hmm. i think settler colonists and you know whatever euro descendant people will ever find liberation and unfortunately we will the global majorities of uh, liberation will probably have to be ripped from our hands and so yeah, part of my goal is one, like pushing liberals left, <laughs> which is, I think, harder than pushing conservatives left. <laughs> and two, to like help anyone basically to be like, hey, if you think the Church of Jesus Christ was bad, 
wait till you hear about the United States. <laughs> um, is yeah, one of my goals is to be like, yes, this is bad. Yes, this is a problem. Yes, this is inherently abusive. And they learned everything they know from the United States. And there's tons of abuses that none of you are even aware of because the population of black and brown Mormons is so small, especially in the outspoken ex-Mormon community. Yeah, so are you the person that posted about, I'm trying to look at your page right now, um, Mormon communism or whatever? <laughs> is that you? Uh, uh, I don't think I've written about it before, um, but I have lots of critiques of it because I've seen people like Mormon, progressive Mormons or ex-Mormons try to be like, Mormonism really is communist deep down. Unless, like, you, no, unless you don't believe no, in it. it. Isn't. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that. I was, I was going to say because hearing your story is like people shut you out and they try to get, you know, make space between you and the community because you didn't believe in it. Yeah. But yet they, some people are saying that it's communism, but communism is the good of everybody as a whole, not just the people that believe in the same shit as you do, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah that's, that's my own thoughts on that. Well, and that's the thing is that one, I have a, only a vague understanding of communism really because I think most nearly everyone in the U.S. who hasn't taken the time to do real research does because this country is inherently anti-communist. And, you know, like I saw someone say, like, listening to an anti-communist critique of communism is like listening to someone who works for Gamble and Proctor talk about tobacco. It's like <laughs> yeah. their opinion is irrelevant <laughs> on this. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, like... The majority of what I have been told is communism is really a dictatorship, and that's what um, Mormonism. Mor so, way back in the beginning, Mormons tried to practice this thing called the law of consecration, which is that everybody's wealth is pooled and then divided back out based on your needs. Um, but the most outspokenly anti-communist activist of the Mormon Church, whose name is Ezra Taft Benson, he was a um, he was never a member because his his leaders wouldn't allow him of the John Birch Society. That he was adamantly anti-civil rights, anti-communism, thought that the civil rights movement was secretly a communist ploy being run by Bolsheviks, and that you know black people are all just being manipulated because you know obviously they can't organize this white civil rights movement on their own because anyway because he's a trash um but he explains in detail that the difference between communism and the law of consecration is that in the law of consecration everyone's wealth goes to the church in communism mm -hmm. everyone's wealth goes to the government the masses oh and i mean so, I, yeah, yeah it goes to the government who is yeah. run by the people and so that's the difference is that in in mormonism these unelected, undemocratic, God-chosen figures are in charge of everything. And in communism, the people are in charge of everything. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, I was going to get into that. How does, how does, because, you know, so we have to, you know, clarify, the prophet is the main person, leader in yeah, the church. He's and, the president and the one who's supposedly receiving information from God on how to Like a pope, church. kind of, right? Yes. Yeah. And... Because, you know, the Pope thinks he talks to God. But, yeah. you know, um, how does this person get in the position? Do, do they be a, a child of an ex-prophet? Or do they get voted in by other Mormons? Or do they have like a, like a knife fight? I don't know. 
I'm saying like, how does <laughs> oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish they still dueled. Um, well, that so this is maybe more of a conspiracy. I haven't looked into this enough, but it's possible that Joseph Smith was actually assassinated by the second uh, Mormon Pope prophet. Um, and so originally you did you you just like any good organized crime gang the next leader was decided by who had the guts to knock out the original the first leader um and so i don't fully understand how it works but it's not voted the person is supposedly sustained like each group of mormons get together and then they're like okay there's a new prophet do you sustain this person and everyone raises their hand because if you don't raise your hand you're going to get excommunicated anyway and so like it's one of those choices that you do what everybody does or you stand out Mm -hmm. because like everyone supports the prophet because the prophet is chosen by god and so like you can't again like your opinion means nothing against god's um but yes a lot of leaders have ancestors who are also leaders um the same thing goes for their politics mormons have mormons are one of the only religions in which their population and their representation in congress are even and um a lot of the people in political power have been in political power since the settler colonial era like it's ancestrally been passed down and they got that political power just because they had it already when they showed up and started massacring um, the indigenous stewards and in their own homelands. Um, But yeah, it's not voted. It's more like the Pope where the people below choose the people, you know, the other leaders who are just below the Pope choose who's going to be the next leader. And oftentimes it's sort of already built in, like whoever is the leader's secondhand person usually just becomes the leader. It's not always, but that's usually how it goes. So you kind of, it, you work your way up the ranks, you gain favor with who you have to gain favor with, it's political, and then you end up being installed. It was, was Joseph Smith the only one that was killed during this time? I think so, yeah. Are you the one, are you the one, I think somebody said, I think it was you, that he was, he tried to invoke some powers or something before he passed. Yeah. yeah. So the reason he, well, he was assassinated because he was an abusive narcissist and everyone hated him and he made enough enemies that eventually he was murdered. Um, How was he murdered? So some people who used to be his good friends and up on the higher levels of hierarchy with him found out that he wanted to sleep with their wives and daughters and marry them celestially and they were like "Ooh, whoa gross dude we can have as many wives as we want but as soon as you start wanting to marry our wives that's too much and so they left and started a printing press and their first issue was going to share all of this information which joseph smith hadn't publicly come out the mormons hadn't come out yet as polygamists it was still something that they were trying to keep secret And this newspaper was going to print these secrets because they were in the upper echelon and they knew them. Um, Joseph Smith, as the mayor of this town, lieutenant general of his militia, judge of this town, he he was occupying basically every top position in town, uh, declared martial law and um, 
had some of his followers go destroy this printing press, which is a constitutional violation. The governor of the state that he declared martial law in was like, you have to ask my permission to do that. You didn't. That's treason. You're under arrest. Um, the previous state that they just moved out of, the governor of that state was trying to get him arrested for an attempted assassination of that governor. Um, so there, there was a series of history still following him of which he had been running from persecution. He finally gets arrested. He's about to run away again because every other time he'd been arrested for serious crimes like this, he just went over state lines or county lines or into quote unquote Indian territory where he couldn't be pursued, which was also an organized crime tactic that he learned from the organized crime gangs he um, grew up in. Um, but anyway, this gets into like some, the mix between the story I was told and the story that maybe actually happened that I haven't learned enough about yet, but he's fleeing. He gets a letter that says, please come back. And then he's like, well, I, I guess I'm just as good dead to my friends. Then I might as well just go die because he, you know, he knew what was coming. And so then he goes back. He lets himself get arrested while his, while he's in jail, a mob, a group of um, predominantly apostates, people who had been Mormon and left broke in and basically were intent on murdering him and he gets assassinated by like a gun or a knife or just got yeah a gun out? okay yeah he he's he first jumps out the window so he's on a second floor in a in a prison and when the group is able to break into the into the cell that they're in him and three other men he jumps out of the window and you said that he's trying to invoke evoke some ritual or some oh right yeah so the masonic thing so this is something i haven't studied as much but mormonism does have a lot of uh masonic rituals and symbolism in their upper level stuff like stuff that happens in temples and also as a reminder i've never gone to a temple because you have to be an adult uh an adult worthy mormon and i never became an adult worthy mormon i left before adulthood so I've never been, I've never done these rituals and stuff. Um, but a lot of them are based on masonry, which Joseph Smith was a, a Freemason. And when he was about to jump out the window, he yelled out a Masonic call that's supposed to bring all of your fellow Masons in to support you. Um, the theories that I've read as to why this was ineffective is because just like Mormonism, the spaces in which you learn these Masonic symbols and uh, phrases and blah, 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 you're not supposed to tell anyone. You're sworn to secrecy as you're learning them. Just like in Mormon temples, you're sworn to secrecy as you're learning these rites and rituals. Um, and so his fellow Masons probably didn't come in to save him, one, because maybe they were in the crowd ready to kill him, too, and two... Because they were upset about they because he's using things he's not supposed to. He's made public things that weren't supposed to be public, and so he's lost his standing. Damn, dude! I can't. It's so, this story is so wild. He's just like you know making up a whole religion, which you know like from a rocks in a hat, you know to to becoming this like super Zionist ideology, and you're getting killed because you want to fuck someone else's wife. 
And those yeah. dudes are like, oh, we want to have a one penis policy. And like <laughs> <laughs> while they're treating yep. women as like objects oh, yeah. possessions, Literally. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they it's were so fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. They literally were property at that time. That's <laughs> the thing that also often gets erased in contemporary Mormons and ex-Mormons talking about polygamy is we forget that women and children were property at that time. Mm -hmm. Children still are. And so like this was yet another way for this handful of powerful men to become more powerful because it was also wrapped up in eugenics and this divine idea of eugenics, which we could get into too, that one of the Mormon teachings is that you and I are descendant of the same house of Israel, that um, indigenous peoples are descendant of one brother of Joseph, Joseph and the technical, no, Joseph of Egypt, the guy who had the multicolored coat, and then, yeah, that guy. Supposedly, we are both descendants of that guy, um, which is another one of those settler nativism that Mormons have assigned themselves as ancest ancient ancestral siblings of indigenous people, thus giving us one more layer of being the genetic birthright of this land. Um Yeah, so they're shoot. I forgot where we were going on that though. I got, I got, I got a question because I think it was the last question. It was on on the list. It was yeah. What's the relationship between Mormonism, the Church of Mormons, and those ancestry DNA? Because when I first heard about them, somebody told me don't take those tests because mm -hmm. the Mormons are, you know, they're the ones like some conspiracy they had with the Mormons. And I thought, to myself, well, there's other reasons why he not to take DNA and you know, ancestry yeah, DNA test. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was like, well, this is like really early on. So can you talk about that? Yeah, um, which did remind me. So I was thinking about like the genetics because, um, yeah, the, the polygamy was part of this eugenic thing that these Mormons believe that they are not only a birthright of God's original church of this like biblical line since Adam, they believe they're literally descendants of Adam, which is one of the things they do in their temples is do this work that eternally seals themselves to these patriarchs back through Abraham and to Adam and Eve. Um, and so one of the reasons they're obsessed with um, DNA tests so anyway, so the polygamy thing was so that this one man who clearly has the best blood, so it's, you know, really deep white supremacy stuff, is able to have more children to create more property with this best blood, thus in the settler colonial thing, creating a better race of Americans. And there's actually Mormon quotes about this, too, that after they had to lose polygamy, they tried to, like, become European through eugenics of being like look at all these great white babies we're making we're helping the u.s remain american because you know as i guess you know and others here know that at that turn of the century one of the major issues like from the 18th into the 19th century one of the major issues in the u.s was anti-immigration because they were worried this great population of pioneers and revolutionaries and genociders we're going to be um, overtaken by new immigration. And so like, you know, being from Northern Europe wasn't even enough. You needed to have like pioneer bloodstock to be a real American. Um, so what if somebody's like Italian and more? Yeah, that's, that's not a big no-no. Now, now it's okay. But like that, 
those were not the first countries they sent missionaries to mm-hmm. and that wasn't really who they were like having immigrate here um but yeah it's also changed over time where like you know now it's the like everybody is a child of god <laughs> but that's not what their founding prophet said and that's not what their scriptures say today so i think observationally there's you know this big connection between Christianity and like white nationalist groups because a lot of them do like you know believe mm-hmm. weird shit um, about Christianity yeah. but you know is there when you were in the church was there anybody or do you ever meet people that were openly white supremacists they were like oh you know the white race is better I mean obviously that the whole church is based on that but like anybody yeah. that was like you would call like an actual like Nazi or like a white nationalists you meet those type of people like what they talk i imagine i imagine this is happening they're like white nationalists with a smile like hey mm-hmm. ha, ha. you know mm-hmm. there are me people that were like blatantly racist in the church i don't know because <laughs> i was yeah, yeah, like I was I was raised with them and yeah. I was raised in a like vast majority white town, even though it was a border town. Like, I'm going to say yes, <laughs> because, but also I don't know, because like, here's a for example. No, I, the, the, what I'm saying is like, do you ever hear people in that community say negative comments about other communities, like the native community or black communities or Latino communities where they're like, oh, those people or no? I mean, there was. So, so the first part is that I, I grew up in a, in a border town to the mm-hmm. um, Shivwitz Southern Paiute Reservation. Mm-hmm. I thought they were all Mexican. I didn't know they were indigenous because that's what everyone in my town assumed. Um, by the time I was maybe like 16 and I start to got, I started to be allowed in the adult conversations at like Thanksgiving or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And one of the times I remember my older siblings and parents talking about like those damn Mexicans stealing jobs. And like, it was a shock to me because like, you know, to pull my good white person, some of my best friends were Mexican at the time. And so I was like, what? And so that was my first time that I was like, holy shit, my family's racist. (laughs) And that was like new to me. While simultaneously, I want to back that up by being like, I wouldn't have known. Like, if I was 14 and people were, like, saying, like, these smiley derogatory things, like, the assimilative, the, like, they're just, you know, like, yeah, I grew up believing that, you know, inner cities were filled with poor Black people because there was something inherently wrong with them, not Mm -hmm. because we live in a systemic you know, the, the people were intentionally stolen from repeatedly over and over and the laws intentionally made it impossible. And every time they get it, well, there was a massacre. Um, and so like, I definitely learned all of the subtle ones that like is still a part of liberalism. That, mm-hmm. Like we're just helping people, but like, I don't think they really needed to be overtly racist anymore because their project had succeeded. They had mm-hmm. essentially a whites only town. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's kind of, 
that's what's scary. It's like, you know, uh, there's different kinds of white supremacy in this country. The ones that, you know, there's ones that are openly, they have like white supremacist tattoos, you know, yeah. and yeah. Like the SS symbols, the lightning bolts. Yeah. And there's some that are like, or white supremacists and they smile and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just convert into us, converts. And, you know, but, you know, in, in, internally it's just, you know, colonial, settler colonial. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's ironic because that like, whoever your family member is that said, stealing our jobs like you're stealing our land what the fuck you're stealing whole <laughs> things of lands <laughs> how can you be you know like it's just like the biggest yeah. irony when you said that i was like what but uh you know um so they, do do they have their hands on like this ancestry yeah. dna they yeah do. i'm glad you yes. came back because i want so i actually looked some of this up because so the the ancestry company that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints outright owns claims to have the world's largest collection of genealogical records. Who's that? And that one is called FamilySearch.org, I think. Mm-hmm. And I have this. So, like, as I got into the settler colonial work, my work before this was about rocks. So I also have all these really interesting stories about how Joseph Smith's rock, like that rock that he used to translate, was mm-hmm. also found on a treasure dig. So there's also these layers of that is stolen indigenous land that he then used to further steal indigenous land. And it's the same thing that the Mormon records are burrowed in, they, they dug a cave into a granite mountain in order to protect this archive, which is just this other layer of like eternity that they're trying to make these records last forever. This like made up switch. Anyway, so. Do they have a bunker? Yes, they have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are, and they are, they are bunker builders for sure. They are end times. They That's you're scary. required as a good Mormon. You're supposed to have two years of food storage for this end times. That's oh, and coming they're preppers. Moment now. Oh my yeah, God. they're preppers. <laughs> so that their long name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, Latter Day, mm-hmm. is end times. That's what that means. That we're in the latter days, right before Jesus Christ comes back. Because Joseph Smith wrote in his scriptures, the ones he literally wrote, but they were supposedly like directly from God. He said that Jesus was going to come back by the time he turned 78 or something, which would have been like 1894. Um, So the entire history of Mormonism has been prepperism. Like they've they've been waiting for the end times their entire existence. Um, so they're in a they're a, they're a mille, millenarial Zionist settler colonial white supremacist with, but the reason they're obsessed with DNA is that eugenic supersessionist belief that they are direct descendants of Adam, and for their eternal family structure to work out the way it was designed, you have to map out your DNA and baptize all of your patriarchs. Because you can't actually get into heaven if you don't have a perfected line of genealogy back to um, Adam and Eve through Abraham and Isaac. And so kind of hard to prove. Yeah, well, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that you're related to a mythical character. Yes. But, but, you know, like if, if you believe Christianity, if you believe that story, then aren't all people related to Adam? What the fuck? but you have to actually do the genealogy not just to prove that you are but you need to baptize all those people because without baptism 
like most Christianities, you can't get into heaven without that. But in Mormonism, you can be baptized in proxy after you're dead. So I have been baptized for hundreds of people um, who are dead, which is a terrifying thing. They, Yeah, I could tell that story, but it's a scary experience to go through it all. But I they do that, DNA tests yeah. because they can do DNA to find more people to baptize. So they're obsessed with ancestry and DNA. And yes, some of the founders of Ancestry.com were Mormons, and they did found it based on this Mormon project to baptize the entire world, dead and alive. How's that possible? Um, do they do they baptize the, the paper results? Like, I don't understand. Okay, so I will tell the story then. <laughs> um, so as I was saying, I've never been in the temple. That's only half true because I was, I was never allowed to do the adult things. They let 14 to 18 year olds go into the basement and be baptized as proxy for dead people. And so they do this ancestry so that they can find your name because it has to be, you know, your your legal name that gets baptized. You can't just say my seventh grade uncle and, you know, that works. I have to know his name because God is a fastidious record keeper and bureaucrat, apparently. Um and then you have to change into like the white baptismal robe. And then you go into this room with a baptismal font that's like the size of a decent sized hot tub. And it's raised up on these 12 golden oxen, which there are symbols for all of these things. And then there's a adult man who's a stranger. Maybe it's a woman if you're a girl, I don't know. But there's an adult. No, it has to be a man because he has priesthood. So there's an adult man standing in this hot tub already. And then there's like five people sitting behind computers. And you walk into the font, you stand in your position. And then the man goes, Nicholas Brian Jacobson, we baptize you for and in behalf of Joseph Sampson, who is dead. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Nicholas Brian Jacobson, we baptize you for and in behalf of John Schmidt, who is dead, in the name of the blah, 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 Nicholas Jacobson. And so you're just like this factory of baptisms going on. So I have a question. So do you, when you do that, do they say a bunch of names or do they get baptized over and over for like 20 people? Over and over and over, one oh, person at a time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, one so person at a time. So it doesn't even count for yourself? It's just, just specifically no, no. for other people? Yeah, I have to have been baptized to even have the privilege of being baptized for dead people. And oh yeah. so these are like multiple layers of fucked up. Because one, should a group who believes that indigenous people are ancestrally related to ancient Israelis who are white, who believes that indigenous people are ancestrally white settler colonists, should they be the ones who hold the world's greatest, largest record of genealogical history? Like, should they be the ones who are funding DNA research? What are they doing with that DNA research? And that gets to, they're baptizing dead people, which also gets to, during World War II, Mormons were struggling just before World War II, through most of their existence, Mormons struggled to get access to these records, which is why they start getting involved in DNA tests, is because Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Muslims don't want their ancestors to be dead and baptized as Mormons, because they're not. <laughs> and 
and their religion's important to them. Um, but during World War II in Germany, um, everybody had to prove that they weren't Jewish ancestrally. And so the genealogical records came open and Mormons volunteered to do that genealogical research for the Nazi party. Now that they have all these records of people who were murdered for being Jews, they started doing proxy baptisms for people who were murdered in the Holocaust because they had the records of people who were found to be Jews and then sent to concentration camps. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, I, want to, I want to clarify. Mormon, the, the Mormon church did background checks or ancestry checks on Nazis? For Nazis. For Nazis. For on, not, on Germans for Nazis. So was this while they were alive, like during yes. World War II? So yeah. did, did the Mormon church have a collaboration with Nazi yes. Germany? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Um, keep they, in mind they, they acknowledge that they're history? interested in pure white blood. Yeah, man. In perfect genealogical, rec perfect lines of ancestry that um, in this one you'll love too. In 1947, they went to Cuba to see if they should start doing missionary work there. A 1947 in the U.S. is still openly segregationist. So is the Mormon church. They don't allow black people to go to their temples or have priesthood power. So basically, they are denying Black people the right to Mormon eternal salvation who want it. I don't know why you would want it. But anyway, um, they go to Cuba to find out if they should do missionary work there. And the questions they're asking to find out if it's worth doing missionary work, how much pure white blood is in the populace? Is that populace doing work to ensure the perpetuation of pure white blood? Um is it wise for us to go in with a racial hierarchy ideology in an area that doesn't seem to carry a racial hierarchy ideology? Um, anyway, they found out, no, that Cuba isn't racist enough for Mormons to go there. Um, so, yeah, they were literally looking for pure white blood two years after the end of World War II, um, which was, you know, kind of all about pure white blood. So pure, pure white means what, like British or German or? Uh, European, because they did specify in that Cuba report that pure white meant Spanish. Like pure Spanish blood. But like Spanish in Spain? Spanish Spain, yes. Oh man, they did a really bad job then because Spanish are not pure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, neither are Northern Europeans, but yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? That's the thing about purity ideologies. They're they're not they're not super purists themselves. Oh, man, what kind of what kind of research are they doing, man? But yeah. yeah I want to say that is. I've never been baptized and anybody tries to baptize me when I'm when I'm dead. Oh, they I'm will. Gonna, I'm gonna haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, so that's that's the reason that they're involved in ancestry.com, that they're involved in DNA tests is because they now have your information so they can baptize you when you die. Um, which getting back to the, the Nazis and Jews thing is that um, uh, anti-defamation leagues as well as an, uh, descendants of Holocaust victims found out that the church was doing this and was like, whoa, stop. These people were murdered for being Jews. You should leave them Jews. Um, 
especially since, you know, there's a history of Christians telling Jews that they have a choice between baptism and death. So it's pretty sensitive for them. Anyway, the church was like, oh, our bad. We won't do that again. About eight years passes and someone's like, oh, hey, you're still doing that. Oh, shit. Yeah, we'll stop. I promise. Here's $10,000. Uh, eight years goes by, they get caught still doing it. Anyway, so that's the get ready to haunt because you will be baptized. If if your information, if you've used an Ancestry website, <laughs> they will have your information because Ancestry.com is owned by Blackstone, which you probably know what that one is. Is like Ancestry.com? Yep, Ancestry.com is mm -hmm. owned by Blackstone predominantly. They have like 60% of the shares. I hope um, they're listening. Because if they try yeah. to baptize me when I'm dead, I'm going to come back and melt their face like Raiders of the <laughs> So the, the family search one, the one that's owned exclusively by the Mormon church, shares information with Ancestry.com. So if your records are on either of them, they are in the hands of the Mormon church. Hmm. And if you've taken DNA tests, those DNA tests sell your information to these Ancestry websites so that they can sell you your Ancestry. Um then yeah, the Mormon church has your information, which is one of the reasons in the ex-Mormon community, there is a big thing about like having your records removed from the church so that they can't claim you as a member anymore. And my thing is like, they're going to baptize me again. Just, I'm not going to play pretend in their little game that like this matters. I mean, it matters in a material like living world way because like they're able to convince people to join their church based off of these falsified numbers of membership. But is it really a weird way to live rent free in their heads? Like we don't like 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 I don't even like you know like it's they're problematic, but they want to like yeah. like yeah they're gonna be part of us, and it's just like everybody's like living rent free in their head, like yeah they're, they're yeah. fucking making a whole business out of it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So now you know. I mean, you should have started the episode with that. Like, hey, they were part of Nazis. I would be like, oh shit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but. No, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that until you said it right now. And I, I think it's pretty disturbing. And it makes sense, you know? Like I said, they're they're a white nationalist, white supremacist yeah. org with a smile. Yeah. You know? And But I also, like, want to add, because this is one of the things I like to, like, reiterate over and over and over, is, like, yes, the Mormons did work directly with the Nazi party, but so did the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, like the U.S. likes to pretend that we were fighting them. They're like, <laughs> no, we were best buds right up until Pearl Harbor, and even then, like we put Nazis in power in NASA. We put Nazis Operation in power in yeah, in Operation uh, in the in, UN. In Europe, in like yeah, like yeah. we Europe and the U.S. were not fighting the Nazis. Yeah, you know I think yeah, it's it's. It's a different history. And even right now, when we come when we talk about Ukraine, the US yep. is funding those right wing Nazis, yep. you know, to fight against Russia and to, you know, spread their fucking pro NATO, pro imperialist shit. And you know, it's you know, so it's it's scary. I mean, as as a person of color living in this reality. You know, people like to rip these flags and whenever you tell them, hey, you know, this this is fucked up, you know, yeah. like they're just like, why? But we're free and fucking we can buy like weird ass cereals, so many choices of cereal. <laughs> and it's just like, 
First off, only sugar crisp is good, okay? Everything else sucks. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I think, um, but they're not knowing their their country history. And I talk about this on the podcast, not knowing the history of settler colonization against indigenous peoples and the black people community, you know, Mm -hmm. black community. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we... But no, this is there's so many smaller nuances about this, and I'm glad we did this episode so people can hear it, and hopefully people that are thinking about leaving that mm-hmm. religion, I encourage you to, you know. But just like, um, just like you did, don't personalize it. Oh, you can personalize it to a point, you know yeah, saying? yeah. But yeah. also note that the like zoom out, mm-hmm. right, to the bigger picture of what. This, this mm-hmm. church, this project has done. And the church is going to hate this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm happy, you know. But <laughs> I think this is the first episode I did on specifically. Oh, no, I, I did one on the Fulong, Fulong Gong. The, it's like a cult, you know. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. yeah. So, but I think that those and and uh, Scientology, Scientology scares the shit out of me, right? Yeah. And I think... Um, but it's almost a similar story. Like L. Ron Hubbard yeah. made some shit up yeah. and people made fucking take it. Yeah. Fictional some, story. Yeah. And there was some pedophile mm-hmm. shit going on there. Yep. And, you know, it was it's like really about hard. collecting money and power. Yeah. So it's like they took a, 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 a script from Mormonism and just fast tracked yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, it's scary, you know? And, it, I, and the reason why I know about. Uh, uh, Scientology, you know, to kind of go into that is because I watched that doc that shows like a show documentary with Leah Remini. I forget what it's mm. called, Scientology, something yeah. like that, you know. And that's a really good show, you know. It talks about the leadership and how it works. They go with cameras, you know, and episode by episode, season by season. And it ended, it, that, that, that show ended, the last season, the last shows were like how <clears throat> Scientology was infiltrating. The nation of Islam, oh, sure. right? Which I thought was scary as shit. You know, it was just yeah. like now they're getting. Well, I, you know, I don't. I have my critiques of nation of, of Islam, but you know, they're they're infiltrating political sex. Yeah, you know, yeah. to like expand their 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 reach politically, and I was just like, this is disturbing, right? I got, but all these religions do that. They they get yeah. they go into politics. They're they're part of super PACs, which yeah. you know fund certain candidates and. A big part of, you know, when you hear campaignings, uh, you know, all, all these all these politicians, they always say, oh, you know, taxes this, they want to talk about taxes, they want to talk about policy. But there's one thing they never touch is religion. Because yep. religion in this country is like, has a big hand. You know, people that talk yep. about corpor- corporations, they talk about, you know, like, oh, the corporations are doing too much, blah, blah, blah. But they never talk about these mega churches. They never talk about these religions that overstepping their bounds, the history, like the history that you brought up about these churches and how they promote, you know, like white supremacist ideology. They don't talk about yeah. that shit, you know? And I think that's a problem. Like, how, how can we change that? Like, like, as we said before, you know, like, if we're going to, like, make people believe into you know become communist like this is a conversation that needs to happen like how do we talk about religion right to these super religious people that they're going to be like hey you know our religion is fucked up and i think it starts like this with your conversation you know to kind of um 
make them doubt themselves and they should and they're going to have internal battles i think just like i, I still do right yeah. i'm not saying I, i'm trying to go back to christian no but i'm saying like you know like i'm like i, I hope that I did the right thing and i just and part of me you know part of me a good chunk of me says yes because my goal is to help people as a community and i, I will think to myself like if i'm if you know if there really is a god like or this like christian god right he would see that my motives are well and why would he send yeah. me to hell why yeah. would he send me to hell for yeah. not you know following a church a church mm -hmm. fucking uh organization that i think is corrupt right yeah. he will see who i hey, really Ray? am yeah sorry one second i need to go to the bathroom okay pause right so yes i think to, to get back at it you know we have to you know you know as we try to you know my point making is as we try to um uh have people that you know leave the church you can't say oh leave the church and that's it like we should yeah. support them right and mm. it's the same thing with 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 anybody even settlers that you know i think uh try to support the colonial struggles it's not like oh support it or else i mean yeah i mean mm -hmm. this is the point you know but i think like hey like let me if you really want to learn let me teach you let me guide you and don't be a total dick Unless, unless they're total dicks, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the whole different conversation. But I think, um, yeah. So you know, it's it's. You know, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's really important to seek out support. And I know there are a lot of, especially for Mormon or any other kind of like more fundamentalist group. There are a lot of groups for that. But once again, as you had like said earlier, a lot of people kind of fall into just another trap, um, whether that is like U.S. liberalism, whether that is like MLMs, you know, multi-level marketing or like these new age support groups or, you know, like I remember seeing one about like ex-Mormons who do mushrooms together and like called themselves shamans. And I'm like, oh, God, I've not guys. seen that. Like, That's fucking wild. Yeah. And so like there are a lot of layers of people leaving and like falling into yet another trap, which is one of the reasons that I'm like, um, you need to make it more than just personal. You need to make your work and your deconstruction beyond personal. You need to understand how what affected you personally fits into a broader systemic cultural structural thing collective thing so that one you actually understand what happened to you and two that you're actually able to do something about it because that was one of the reasons I became so interested in history is that I did become interested in social and environmental justice but if you don't understand how things got to be the way they are you don't know how to not keep doing them in a hundred of thousands different costumes like to me, multi-level marketing, you know, selling your essential oils, you didn't leave a religion. Moving into like U.S. liberalism and being like a diehard Democrat, you didn't really leave that much. Like you went from one group of people who think that they know everything and everybody else is an idiot to another group of people that you think you know everything and everyone else is an idiot. Like ex-Mormon groups can be like that. They get that same sort of like, ha ha. I know better and you believe in a magical sky god 
I'm smarter than you. And it's like that, that's not going to get us anywhere, one. But at the same time, um, like I really like this quote from Pima Chodron when she was in conversation with, um, I can't remember who it was, with a, with a, a, a Black social justice educator and activist. And they were talking about, you know, there's this thing where hurt people hurt people, while simultaneously there's a common sense idea that people who have experienced suffering and struggle also have a deeper capacity for compassion. And so they were like, what, what's the difference? If the stimulus of being abused is the same thing, what makes one group do, you know, become a support for others and makes the other group perpetuate that trauma? And she says it's support. The people who are able to support others after going through trauma are able to because they had support in which to heal from that trauma. Um, but you, you know, you have to be careful because there's a lot of people who want to take advantage of vulnerable people. That's like <laughs> the point of the whole, the whole structure, um, especially for white people, because I think that oppressed oppressor space does sit in that area of people who were trying, who thought they were doing good, who, you know, are the nice white supremacists. Um, but two, yeah, I think you can't just focus on your own things because you won't find liberation that way. Like you won't understand the context. You won't know what to do to stop those cycles. And you also, especially if, you know, I'm talking to my fellow white settlers here, we are so good at lying to ourselves and like telling ourselves we are doing good. And also that's like one of the most important things to us is to be good, be the good white person. And that stops us from doing so much because to make real change in a world built on oppression, you have to be bad. You have to do things that most people aren't gonna like. You have to disrupt people's lives. And within that, I think leaving any kind of fundamentalist religion does that to you because you have had to experience the pain of change rather than the pain of perpetual abuse, which you become familiar with and it becomes comfortable. Um, on that, also there's this like conversation in the ex-Mormon space that if you're leaving a religion because of its white supremacy, because of its anti-queerness, because of its history of oppression, and then you just leave and watch cartoons and go to brunch, you didn't help anybody. All you did was like get personal purity and you're like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. It's like, you're, you're still enabling because you know this is going on and you let it go on. Like, you know, I love that little meme of the FBI agent typing on the computer of like, you don't owe anybody anything. All you need to do is to like stick to your own and look out for yourself, girl. Yes. And it's like that kind of thing of like, yeah, you should find healing because if you don't, you're going to perpetuate that suffering. And there are like the critique of therapy there are systemic structural violences that are occurring that no amount of self-help and healing are going to transform. You're continually going to like experience that trauma. And so I guess that's my thing is like, you know, yes, 
I don't even know if leave or not. Like I sit in a space of like, I don't even know that you should leave. You should stop supporting it. Absolutely. Like if you're going to stay in, you should annoy the shit out of everyone who goes to church with you because everything that could come out of your mouth should be challenging the ongoing abuses. Because that's one of my, maybe there's one of my like contradictions. I don't know. These are also kind of newer words for me, but that I'm like, religions are super well organized. And I think that's something that the you know somewhat secularized left doesn't we don't have we're not as well organized the reason that those super PACs the reason that conservatives are so much more powerful in this country is because they are really well organized and churches are one of those spaces in which that organization occurs and so that's kind of the baby and bathwater thing of like yes everything this organization is based on is violent and oppressive and meant to like lift up 10 people while destroying hundreds of thousands of others but don't fall into the trap i did and be like oh all organization is evil because it's like that's the it is for the benefit of our oppressors for us to think that collectivism in an organization inherently leads to abuse of power because that makes us not build up enough power to stop them from abusing the power that they've stolen. And so I guess that's my like thing is like, I don't know if I want to tell people to leave more as like, take what you've learned from churches as far as like how to take care of your neighbor, how to organize a dinner, how to organize a lecture event, how to organize an art build and use that to like challenge your school administration who's trying to get race taken out of conversation. Like use those skills, but stop meeting in a burning building that's, you know, built on a massacre site and <laughs> maybe like go join a community garden and, you know, also the obvious that we settler colonists need to take ourselves out of the driver's seat and take our foot off of everybody's neck and start to do a lot of listening and, like, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Because everything, that's one of my other things, is, like, leaving Mormonism caused me to lose my entire reality. Everything that made me feel secure and comfortable in this life was questioned was thrown into question and the same thing happens when you start to question um the idea of u.s exceptionalism and when you start to recognize like oh no the u.s is an ongoing war crime that cannot be held accountable because after world war ii they became the most powerful nation in the world and put their foot on everybody's neck or else and so, you know, no one can hold us accountable. Anyway, yeah, you start to, like, lose that reality, too, of, like, oh, my God, not only were all my church adults lying to me, all of my school adults were lying to me, and I live in a world that was based on lies to oppress everybody, and I've been a part of that, but I'm this nice white, nice, white good person, and so this is deeply uncomfortable, and now I don't know what to do because everything I know is a lie, and I don't know who to trust anyone because, like, Nick just said like you can't necessarily trust the people who are even running support groups because maybe they're running a con and then your brain starts to go into panic mode um and I think that's yeah anyway one of the powerful things church does is makes you doubt your own like intuition and makes that shut up yeah. um and I think that's where you have to then 
learn how to listen to that. And for settler colonists, I think that is a long time of listening to people who you have had no time and experience around. While that doesn't mean continue to ignore your own intuitions, it does mean question them. Yeah, I, you know, listening to you, and when I say make make a statement, you know, and people are super religious, are gonna be like, oh my gosh. But I think whatever. But I think it sounds like organized religion, especially in this country, is ran like a cult. Yeah. 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 So I think, and it's not just Mormon religion, it's just Christianity. It's one of those like, if you leave, then we're gonna like isolate you mm -hmm. and like, it's a form of abuse. And mm -hmm. I hope people that are listening, yeah, if you want to stay in and, and cause rebellion within your church, be my guest, but make sure you're safe, <laughs> you know, Yeah. because you don't want to, you know, uh, some of these churches are just, especially the ones that become militant are kind mm -hmm. of scary and I'd get be careful mm -hmm. with that. But, you know, like if you, if you got to leave man, if you're listening, you have to leave then leave, like, Absolutely. Um, like learn, learn from society, obviously. And that's something that I think that, Growing up, even with myself, I feel like these religions, they sh they're like, they shelter you from reality. And when I broke away, you know, and I started, you know, stopped going to like these Bible study things and going hang out with my friends more in life. Like I was just, um, I saw the world differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think even, even like, even, even within, I mean, even with the concept of, of theory, right? Like, I remember leaving the church early on, I guess, eight or 10. And by the time I was 12, like I had a friend that I don't know why. Is I, I I don't know why this conversation came about back then, but start talking about communism <laughs> when I was like 12. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Everybody, you know, and that's why I got into it. So like if I, I didn't if I didn't break away, I wouldn't have gone and talked to other people, you know, and I, I think and learned these things. I would have mm -hmm. stayed stayed and you know uh, this mind thinking certain certain ways thinking i have family members that are my age that i go visit and they are they're still like jehovah witnesses right mm. and they're just like um it's so hardcore that they don't go to like birthday events right because they don't believe in celebrating birthdays yep. so, you know yeah or you know, they don't go to anything Christmas, you know, and it's just like, and I, I would like tell them, okay, we won't sing happy birthday to, you know, me for my birthday, <laughs> just come over, you know, and sometimes they do, right? Huh. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes I, I, I see them breaking away because they're, they're not supposed to be drinking and they, we get like totally wasted, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm breaking you away. But then they go back, right? Yep. They, they yep. go back and repent. And it's yep. just like, oh, you don't have to do that. But it's like it's like this tug and pull with like certain mm -hmm. people, you know? And uh, yeah, it's hard. So it also requires patience from people that are not yep. in that religion because, you know, people do go back. They go back to, it's like people that go back to like a, a, a abusive relationship, right? Yep. And it's just yep. like, oh, you're back at, at that same shit. And in that abusive situation yep. and you try to help them come out, like, oh, you don't have to be there, blah, blah, blah. And then they go back and yep. it's just like, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I will say, like, I think I would, I would be like, I would rather say, fuck it, you do whatever. But then like, I think to myself, no, that's fucked up. 
like be there for them. I have people that even friends, not religious, like they, they go back to abusive relationships. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, like we just had a conversation. She, like this person literally abused you in front of everybody. You're still going back. And then I feel like, I'm like, you know, like I'm being hypocritical. And eventually they leave them again and, and you're there for them. And what other people are not, you know, I, I like to make sure we have to have patience for people. So um, Absolutely. Don't, don't tolerate shit. Don't yep. tolerate shit yourself, but you know, have patience with some of these people. I think, especially in religion, because you know, um, yeah. just just educate them. That's the point. So, yeah, I know this yeah. has been going on for two and a half hours. So I think if you, you know, if you want to end this, <laughs> fine. If you want to add more, it's up to you. I'm okay. So I don't want to keep you from your yes. daily activities. You know. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, I appreciate this conversation, and I just want to add, like, yeah, lastly to what you're saying is that. I think one of the most important things for colonized minds in that like maybe a little bit theory realm to shift is is that um those balances between like discipline and tenderness like you need to have patience with people while also have a strong discipline where you don't let their shit and manipulation manipulate you because yeah, I agree. Like I, I grew up in an abusive home and that is the lens I think that has helped me more viscerally understand oppression because it like, it works that really, that, that trauma bonding thing where like, you know, sometimes when I'm doing this anti-Mormon work, people are like, but what about all of the good things they do? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Do you know how many times my abusive dad was really nice? like bought you presents and like put you up on his shoulders and we had a really great day like being nice is essential to maintaining abuse like the, those things aren't separate we often think like oh abuse can't be nice which i'm also intentionally using nice it's not kind it's not caring it's not supportive but it's nice and so like that's one of those things that I think a lot of people see like, oh, but they do some good, so they can't be wholly evil. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, you, Christians teach that themselves. They always talk about how the saint, Satan is tricky and like what might seem like a good is actually a bad. Um, and so, yeah, abuse works very much that way. And I think when working with people who have been colonized by any form of colonization, whether that's internalized capitalism, white supremacy, religion, Christianity, blah, 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 all the layers of ways in which you can be colonized, we do need to be patient while also, as you say, like having very strong boundaries um, because it's a, like it's, it's a real psychological manipulation. It really messes with your whole self and it is, a huge upheaval to rebuild your identity especially when you don't know who to trust because your identity was built on ideologies and people who you now realize betrayed you whether knowingly or not um so yeah i think i i appreciate you bringing that up at the end because i also especially in the more like propaganda-based leftist spaces I don't hear, you know, we don't get into that as much of like, yeah, this takes an immense amount of care and patience and like bad ideas are in all kinds of people's heads. <laughs> like, you know, I guess, yeah, that kind of like, it takes time and it takes effort and we relapse all the time because the 
you know, abuse that we're familiar with is way more comfortable than liberation. And we also mm -hmm. have to admit and acknowledge that, that liberation isn't pleasant necessarily. Yeah, I think that goes into like, I don't want to get into it too much, but, you know, the topic of like how some people fetishize violence, you know, they, mm -hmm. they know the U.S. imperialists, they know the U.S. is violence, you know, they use violent forces, mm -hmm. you know, the army, you know, the police, you know, white supremacist militias. So they imagine, you know, of course, there has to be violent to fight the state, the state itself. Yeah. But there's a moment after the state is crumbled and these same people, like, they imagine, I see some, you know, communists saying, like, after the revolution, like, we're going to put people in, like, fucking wood chippers or some shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, fucking excuse me. Like, if the state is gone, why would you commit violence on regular people? Wouldn't you want to educate them? Because they're not, you know, instead of just being like, I'm going to just execute you because you're not left enough. I isn't, Wouldn't yeah. that like, education come into play? I think when you talk about, like, um, you know, leaving and then leaving the, the church and then going somewhere else to, um, it's like the same cycles, you know, I, I think, you know, with some people in, here in this country, within leftist spaces, they, they, they do this in their mind, like, you know, we have to be as violent as, you know, but as a certain, like after the state is gone, the settler state is gone, why do we have to be violent upon our own to get our mission done. I mean, if the state is gone, we, we should be helping each other and, and be lead by example, you know what I'm saying? If people want to be violent, yeah. there's white nationalist groups here, that's one thing. But like, if there's regular people and you're going to execute them because they're not leftist enough, that's a fucking problem, you know? Like, if that's your yep. fantasy, then then you got to yep. fucking relax, you know? Yeah. And maybe you're, you're yeah. in this shit for the wrong reasons, you yeah. know? But uh, I think it, it kind of correlates with with you know with you know how like you said earlier about how people leave and then they have the same cycles. I, I do appreciate this conversation too because it's hard. Like I, it's a personal one for me too, and it's you know I I I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in Christianity. Uh, my 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 spouse's uh, parents wanted to have my kids baptized in the Catholic Church. I was like, fuck that. You know, <laughs> it's just like they're not going to officially you know fuck up my kids. Uh, I was like, I, my kids have never been inside a church, a Christian church. I refuse because I, yeah. I, I, you know, and 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 we have family members that they'll be like, oh, your kid can ride in my car with my kid, and, you know, and we have family members switch cars, you know, going somewhere to a destination, and and then my kid will come out and be like, what is who who the fuck's Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh my God, like what were you talking about in the car? <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, we were teaching her your, your kid about. Jesus Christ. I was like, why? Like, why would you do that? Why would you not consult me first? Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, like it's one of those things that, but you have to be assert a, a lot of patience, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, because the, you can't just be like, at, at a certain point, you have to be like, yeah, this, no, I don't like that shit. Right. But another point is just like, that's just who they are. They're fucking brainwashed, you yeah. know, and I had, I had, yeah, I, that's one of, you know, religion. And and my family uh, are the biggest barriers to being having a good relationship in my family too. So, and it's just, um, I mean, I'm openly like fuck Christianity, and my family's just like, whoa, what the fuck? I'm like, no, yeah, seriously, fuck it, you know. And they hate it, you know. They fucking hate it, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't pretend to be singing like carols at Christmas about Jesus, like anything major related. 
Like, you know, yeah. like, I'm just like, fuck this shit. Like, why are we singing this shit? You know, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It's just, it's just me, right? And I mean, we I can know, do... It's just you, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do Elf on the Shelf all day. I don't give a shit, you know, but it's not, let's not sing these songs and have like plastic baby Jesuses around, you know, it's just, it's, to me, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? You know, so... I mean, I come from my, my raised, being raised from a religion where you can't even have crosses because it's like mm -hmm. idolizing, right? So mm -hmm. it's just like to see a plastic baby Jesus, I'm like, are you motherfuckers don't read your own book? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but that's, like I said, like it's just observations. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I don't know. You want to keep going? You want to stop here or it's up to you? We can, we can come back. Um, I'll tell you after, after we stop yeah. recording, but yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this this feels like a good place. Okay. Um, well, I want to thank you for coming on. And I think, can you tell people about the name of your page that you have in yeah. your website? Yeah. So the page and the website are both unsettling Mormonism. So like a play on settler colonialism, mm -hmm. the, the sort of catchphrases, I'm unsettling what my ancestors fought to settle. Um as well as us settler colonists should be more unsettled in our everyday life because we should not be comfortable. Um, and so, yeah, it's unsettling Mormonism. There's an underscore between the two words on the Instagram page. And then it's just one word, unsettlingmormonism.com is the website. Um, yeah, and there you can find like all the different rabbit holes in which this religion has participated in the oppressive structures of the U.S. and its imperialism through all of its history. Yes, and thank you. Uh, I really like your 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 stuff, your content, because it also talks about, like I said, like you talk about settler colonization, you talk about ICWA, you talk about. Yeah, you know, um, the history of you know, you bring in decolonization on a metaphor by Tucking Yang to, to mm -hmm. analyze Mormonism. So it's really good stuff, you know, and I really appreciate your work. When I when I came across your page, I was like, holy shit, finally. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, that I'm just like really appreciative of that work. Um, and we all have our our, our specialties, and I mm -hmm. think this specialty is really good. And I really do think other other people and other that came out of other dom dominations mm -hmm. should do the same as you, right? Mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to, to kind of analyze their, their relationship with seller colonization yeah. via their religion. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. thank you. I'm going to start recording and we, we're going to talk cool. a little bit after. So thank you. Okay. Thank you.